0: And, yeah. Yeah. So why I write the book, uh, why I write any book is firstly, I write a book for myself. Uh, publisher wants to know who's your target. Uh, what's the table of contents? How many pages for each topic? I don't write a book with that kind of an idea because I'm not writing a marketing product. I'm not saying here is a product for this group. They'll sell so many copies. I'm not doing that. My idea is what is what is my exploration? I'm a researcher. I'm, I'm exploring for myself to become a better person, to get better knowledge. And once I've discovered something for myself, which I'm very convinced is new information, new uh, something very useful to me, then I think of, okay, then how do I explain it to other people? So writing the book is second step. First is my own discovery, my own uh, adhyatmic uh, enrichment. Uh, So I uh, have been meditating for a long time and and I I spend uh, a large amount of work reading Western Thought very very profound Western thought. I've read several thousand serious books on philosophy, on history, on Western politics, on whatnot, uh, right from the oldest uh, literature found in the West to the current times. And I'm extremely fluent and well versed in uh, you know how the Western mind works and what their uh, what their uh, thought system is all about. So, uh, as a as a researcher, I wanted to find out how our thought is different. Because if the thought is not different, then, you know, then we might as well just uh, translate it into Western idiom, Western vernacular and then forget about it. Then it will be digested into into their w- worldview. And uh, it will be one less uh, difference. We don't have to worry about it. And I found that that was a tendency. A lot of our people were, uh, you know, mapping the Indian thought into a Western framework because of the language that we've adopted, because of the colonial uh, influence, because that's what the Western Academy encourages. That's what the Indian elite want to do. That's what the media does. Everybody is trying to Westernize. So our thought also, even the gurus, it's all being compromised and turned into, uh, you know, Western equivalents, everything. Ayurveda is now being turned into some kind of... Uh, uh, you know, medical m- m- molecules that can be patented and made into pharma products. When uh, ph- uh, uh, Ayurveda is not about that at all, it's a it's a whole different uh, approach. Uh, so, so I was very concerned about that, and and, and uh, it, it bothered me. So, I wanted to. Uh, I, I had always for I would say twenty years before this book came out, I'd been struggling, I've been investigating what are the differences, Where are the points of resistance? where is the uh, how do we how do we uh, respond when somebody says it's the same thing as that? How do we respond by explaining that it's not it's something different. And uh, I would run into a lot of trouble from both sides, the Westerners and also our people. So many of our people would say, why are you creating a problem? We, we want to Westernize. We are doing so well. We are into IT. We're making money. Uh, you know, look at how, how uh, and some of them had an inferiority complex and hatred towards our faith. But I would say a large number of people who are uh, gurus and, and promoting our faith and political people promoting our faith were also confused. They didn't know what is distinct about our faith and why it is important. That was one of the quests I had for for myself. And I came up with many, many answers, many, many reasons, uh, thousands of pages of examples here and there, which had to be then summarized and consolidated into a book. Second uh, quest I had was that uh, we are being attacked. Uh, So that was the Breaking India. And these two books came out in the same year because they're kind of companions to each other. So the Breaking India is about, you know, what is being destroyed uh, uh, by various forces. But then every time I would uh, give a talk uh, on the Breaking India, and again, Breaking India was 20 years research before the book came out. Every time I'd give a talk on that, some people would say, well, how does it matter? What is, what is, why does it matter that we have to protect our tradition? And we are all secular. We are all wearing similar clothes uh, around the world. Everybody, it's a flat world. You know, we are all eating each other's food. And how does it matter? In other words, because they were confused about sameness, because they were confused about, you know, not knowing what's distinct and what is important uh, about our tradition, which is special, because they didn't know that. They didn't know why it's worth defending. So Breaking India, you can't you can't expect on, in the Breaking India thesis to arouse our people to defend a tradition unless they know what's special about it. If there's nothing special about it, then why bother? You know, is it only because we are Indians and we are ethnic people and we want to have pride in our... A lot of people felt that we should defend our tradition only out of pride. Not because there's something special in it, but it's, a, it's about pride. And I I disagree with that. I I don't like the idea that uh, uh, defending the Vedic tradition is a matter of chauvinism and pride. I I don't like that idea. I I feel that uh, um, there are some extraordinary qualities. uh, That is what makes it worthwhile. So being different is a response to the question that would come up in the Breaking India discussions. Why are you bothered about defending what is so special? It's full of all these problems. this caste problem and this problem and that problem. We're already uh, in the age of computers. We're all thinking the same way. The whole world is a market economy. So wouldn't it be good that we just uh, go to this very generic spirituality which uh, everybody can embrace? And isn't it just extra baggage we can get rid of? Believe me, I would hear this from the Indian consulates here in the U.S. I would hear it from the gurus with their organization in the U.S. They would avoid uh, dealing with me when I would stand up and say, you know, you're translating all the Shastra into Western idiom and Christianizing it and that's bad. And they would say, no, no, no. Christian yoga, there's nothing wrong with it because, you know, what will happen is more people will practice it. So what if they Christianize it? That will be good for the, for everybody. So this was uh, very confused. Uh, so my argument was that, The problem with Christian yoga is not because uh, somebody else will take it, but because in the process of taking it and Christianizing it, they're distorting it. Then they would say, why? How is it distorted? Christian does it. How is it different? So then I had to answer that here is how the Christian metaphysics cannot accommodate accommodate yoga. Uh, Either the yoga will have to be distorted to accommodate and Christianize it or Christianity will have to amend itself. So we ought to be at the forefront of that debate. We ought to hold on to our guns. We ought to know this is the um, uncompromised, uh, authentic, uh, you know, version. And here is why it is important. And here is the version you are putting out and here is what is wrong with it. So, you know, all of these arguments uh, led me to this breaking, this being different thesis that I have to figure out what's different. And I have to be able to explain, I have to be able to answer this question so literally hundreds of short short articles from five pages to 50 pages i started developing all kind of things then the question is you know how do i write all this i mean it would be a large number of volumes and at, and quite frankly before i consolidated the material into one book i was writing five books because if you look at the table of contents each is a book each is a book so so what happened is uh, the audacity of difference Chapter uh, uh, it has a whole story which is written here how how this happened in discussion with the church and all not what not I was going to turn that into a whole book you know explaining that controversy then yoga and what why yoga is different from uh, the Western metaphysics and uh, if they want to adopt yoga they have to change their metaphysics not change our yoga and then this uh, integral unity and synthetic unity is a is a very major point we'll discuss. And then this order and chaos, which is a kind of about the Indian psychology, the Indian thought, uh, comfort with the, what the Westerners would call chaos, what we would call complexity. We are able to handle a lot of complexity. Uh, and the West wants very simple things, you know, right, wrong, 10 commandments, you know, simple rules and all that. And then this idea of non-translatability, which I've turned into a book ever since. That That's a new book now. This chapter five is now a new book. Uh, and then, of course, the, the whole theory of... Uh, a purva paksha uh, uh, as a methodology to do these things. And uh, uh, ultimately, it comes down to Western universalism because Western universalism is like a stomach which is digesting all the food. In a stomach, you eat all kind of things, but it all gets broken down into the body's DNA. Whether I ate it as dish number A or dish, dish B, whether it's a, whether it's a idli, whether it's a you know a, a, you know paratha, whatever I'm eating, ultimately it just turn into turn into cells, uh, and the identity where it came from is not there. Uh, that is called digestion. So, I felt that the Western Universalism is like a stomach which is digesting us. And I started looking at that they've already digested, they, their whole history is full of digesting, digesting other cultures, other civilizations. The, you know, the, the, the Romans digested the Greeks, the Greeks had, had been digesting the Egyptians, uh, then the Romans digested Christianity, then, you know, one thing, if you look at their history, it's a series of digestions. So, we are now getting digested. And if we are getting digested, we have to, to resist it. To resist it, we must know what's different. Only when we know what is different, we know why we don't want to get digested and how to resist it. So this is what happened. And then, you know, then I was going to publishers and they were saying, books, to aapki you know, you better write one book, <laughs> you know. So I said, okay, uh, the idea was that I'll first put it together in, as a summary book and make them into chapters. And then I'm going to expand each of the chapters, five chapters into five different books. Believe me, I actually started the project of writing five different books. I had some volunteers in my organization and uh, I gave this job that uh, please take each chapter and expand on it. Many people have started writing, uh, you know, then they, they, each there were like uh, different drafts, uh, five different books of 200 pages each. And... Every and But then, you know, our people don't have the staying power to complete what they started. After a while, they get tired. Uh, if they don't get quick results, quick uh, output, which which looks good for them publicly, then they'll leave, you know. Our people don't sort of work too hard and go on persisting until there's a high quality outcome. So I found that uh, the we were not able to complete this project of putting five books together. I wanted it to be the case. I still have those. Uh, Summary volumes, uh, you know, kind of initial draft of the five different books. And and if somebody were very interested, I would gladly uh, engage with them and say, "Okay, now you guys put together a team and let's produce five volumes. It will probably be easy to read, 200 pages each. We put them into multiple languages or maybe 150 pages to 200 pages each, five different books. So one book on uh, uh, non-translatables already come out that we just did. Uh, The other four that could be done have not uh, yet been produced. So that is the, I just produced a summary volume. Being different is a summary volume of uh, a very large argument on what's different. And this large argument I had to divide, I have to sort of uh, uh, come up with a framework uh, that is clean and simple. So after many ideas here and there, I came up with these five five different uh, reasons why, five different uh, ways of, explaining this, five levels of explaining the difference. Uh, And that's how this uh, book came about. Till the last minute, my books are always fluid. Till the last minute when I sit down with the publisher and say, okay, now it's final. I don't want to make any more changes. Until that happens, I'm going on making changes. I'm moving out a chapter, putting it into the next book. I'm combining this chapter into that chapter. I'm taking a section from here and moving it over there. So this this is how my books are developed. So that's how this book came about. Thank you for asking the question. Now, what was the second question, please? Uh, what was
1: the impact of this book on oh. the authorities, sir, Western authorities?
0: Yeah. yeah. So so what happened is this is, placed a huge uh, challenge for them because they are translating wrong. And now I'm telling them why it's a problem. And now I brought, put it out in the Sanskrit non-translatable, even more, more arguments. And they don't know. They, the whole career of most of these people, whole career, big shots, is debunked. They they don't want to respond because they cannot respond. They have have built a career on uh, mistranslating and uh, all kind of conclusions they've reached because of that. I'm saying that the foundation of your premise is wrong because your translations are wrong. So that's an example of impact. And then this idea of uh, integral unity versus synthetic unity you want to get into. Uh, The impact is that uh, when you, people ask me, our people ask me, what is wrong if Indian thought gets turned into Western thought? Well, the Western thought is a synthetic unity. And if you take an integral unity and map it onto a synthetic unity, you've destroyed it. Uh, because uh, you the, the foundation of a synthetic unity is that uh, the parts exist separately and it's a, they're glued together artificially. They're glued together, they held together and they'll fall apart under pressure. Uh, whereas in an integral unity, the foundation, the unified foundation is primary. It's not secondary, it's primary. Because it is in super consciousness, it is, it's in uh, collective consciousness, it's in Brahman. The, uh, the unity of Brahman is undeniable. You cannot uh, you cannot uh, falsify, you cannot break it, uh, Brahman into parts. Because Brahman is the one, since it is the one and the only one that exists. And that is the starting point. And then all this diversity is based on that unity. And all this diversity is nothing but a temporary form, nam-roop, of that unity. So whenever whenever you have a unity, you have to go search for the, whenever you have a diversity, you in that diversity, you have to look for the unity, and you will find the unity, and that will take you back to the source. Whereas if it if it is your metaphysics is synthetic unity, you will not go back to a common source. You will go back to, to conflict. You'll have your, your foundation will your quest will take you to a conflict because the foundation is conflict. So uh, this is an example where you know the difference matters. So the same way, yoga. If I have to argue with the yoga studios. I have to explain to them that the basic flaw with Christian yoga is that it is it is actually not uh, based on the uh, the metaphysics on, on which yoga is based, and yoga is based on the metaphysics of the nature of the self. Who is the yogi? Who am I doing the yoga? Am I this body? Am I this? Uh, where is my pran? The pran idea doesn't even exist in the Western thought, and so when you when you start looking at the the yoga, the uh, the idea is that. Uh, uh, it will take you to a unified uh, unified uh, you know uh, place and the the uh, counter uh, the other sides uh, uh, history centrism was a big discovery i would say one of the biggest discoveries in this book is the idea that the whole abrahamic system is history centric and understanding what is meant by history centric why why it is completely incorrect according to the yogic uh, drishti And vice versa, they cannot accommodate when they go on saying we are all the same and all that. Then you say, well, you know, the point is that our faith is not history centric. You could get rid of all the history. We could forget all the history. And yet we could rediscover the truth through our meditation and through our yoga. Whereas if you lost the history of, uh, you know, what happened in Jesus' life and what happened in Muhammad's life, the point is God gave those instructions in a historical context that is more like Smriti's for us. And if that is ever lost then you will be lost forever if i tell the christians let's understand the metaphysics of christianity without any history they don't want to do it it is it, it is unacceptable to them so they are they are obsessed with the history so this is a huge discovery now now you see what in terms of impact on the west i have given talking points to our team so when our team goes and, uh, uh, you know, or any or any person on our side as an individual goes and he runs into trouble or he has to argue and debate, he can use his book and come up with so many arguments. And those guys don't have an answer because they've never thought of it like this. Nobody confronted them like this. And they, they, their metaphysics falls apart. So this idea, then, then, you know, then the people started accusing me that you're creating a uh, Uh, animosity. I said, no, no, it's not animosity because I also talk about difference with mutual respect. I'm happy to talk about that. So uh, the impact has been that uh, a large number of uh, Westerners, uh, when they're talking about religious studies and metaphysics and all that, uh, you know, it's very difficult for them to uh, uh, continue the previous practice of Dismantling Hindu dharma and digesting it into Western categories, um, uh, dissolving yoga and turning it into their own yoga. Now they are still doing it, but they are conscious that this is incorrect. They are conscious of that, and now they have turned the, their their focus on uh, society and abuse of women and Muslims and uh, caste. And they've started. They've changed their strategy to deal with us rather than. Rather than trying to mistranslate because this book says, points out why they should not mistranslate and why it's wrong. So rather than doing that way, they've started shifting to, you know, accusing us that the whole tradition is a bad one. You know, they've got human rights problems. So this book has shifted the kind of approach that the Western Indologists are having. And this book was, uh, I was invited so many places, so many people doing their PhD in the American Academy, uh, referred to this book. So many people came to interview me as part of their dissertation, uh, Christians included, because they realized that uh, they have to now confront, they now have to confront a different level of thesis, a whole different argument. Uh, so that's been the impact.
1: Great, great. So, if I to an analogy, you ka naam suna hai. So, west west west, west decision so why we are saying west west and west why not germans spanish italian so hegel west ke differences common unko it took 300 years so rajiv sir to dissolve जो भी hamare में bhi difference anxiety to understanding and for the audience bahut sare words tough book and if you are confronting first time these kind of discussion so i request you please go through the book because it because this Each page is like it can be written into a single book. So now, Manisha Ji se agre karta ki no, I agree Ji two
0: So, you should, okay, please uh, uh, please give me a little time to respond. I yeah. think yeah. this yeah. idea of, uh, of an analogy with Hegel is very good. So, not only the books, book discusses the common thing between the Hindu, Dharma, and Buddha and others, but also among the different interpretations. So, you know, people say, okay, how can there be a common uh, dharma, if uh, there was a big argument between Shankara and Ramanuja and uh, Badavacharya, all these kind of people, interpretations so this book is also the result of my own churning, my own mantan to look for what is the foundation. What is the real deep essence and the tatwa of our thought, which from where all these things can be explained, all these different things can be explained. So the book also talks about that. So the idea of yoga is common. The idea of integral unity is common. You talk to, you, you go to any Hindu system, Buddhist system, any of those systems, they will ultimately take you to integral unity in their own way. Vocabulary is different. Uh, their vocabulary is different. All these different dashans and all that, they have different, different vocabularies, but they all end up in integral unity. None of them are history centric. It's a very interesting. So, if you look at uh, the book, it also is, gives you the idea of what is united about our system. And, uh, and this I took further into the Indra's net. Uh, which talks about open architecture, what is united about our tradition in an open architecture, even though there's so much diversity and difference among the various systems, but fundamental level pay how they are united. Please continue.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So Manisha ji, uh, aapne book padha hai, please give your insight within two to three minutes and please ask your question to Rajiv Pnodra, sir. Thank you, Manisha ji.
2: Namaste, Raviji, Ji. Jai Shri Ram Rajiv Ji. I'm so pleased to be here. um, And I'm pleased to be part of the Infinity Foundation as well. I think that's a dream come true. Um, On the book, I have two questions. One is um, a little off topic, and I do apologize for that. But did you... um, Uh, if if you're open to discussing this, did you face any um, backlash or any sort of, you know, this is not the kind of book we want to print from publishers when you were trying to publish the book? And secondly, um, I would, uh, I'm keen to understand a little bit more about the... uh, You see... The current um, scenario of Hinduism and how people are uniting, people are coming up. There are people like Ravi Ji, uh, who are extremely skilled, you know, who are extremely knowledgeable. How, do you see this as a renaissance? Do you see this as a, um, as you, you've written about the Protestant reform um, in in the third chapter? Do you see this as a reformation, or is, or do we still have a long way to go? Thank you.
0: So, the first question is, did I hear pushback? Did I get pushback from the publishers? Uh, I will answer that. Second one, the line was not very clear, I think. uh, But um, what I gathered is that you want to know uh, whether this book uh, is part of a reformation of uh, Hinduism like the Christian Reformation and are we... Are we proceeding in that direction successfully or not? So let me answer them if, the, if that was really the second question as I understood it. So the first one is about uh, what, what is the resistance I faced. I faced a lot of resistance. Let me tell you, this, is, this book was considered chauvinism. Boy chauvinism, I'm just giving a philosophy. Uh, This was this was uh, so many people told me the reason it got into HarperCollins is because of one individual. Uh, I I did I did a very uh, interesting thing. I I I hired this lady, uh, who knew the publisher at HarperCollins, the top uh, person. But this lady, I hired her as a editor. Uh, you know that she can go through my book and edit it. And usme, because you know the editors are very useful people. They correct your English, they correct the spelling, yevo plana. I mean, they're useful. They check things out for you, and you know they, they do all the little details, tedious spelling errors and grammar, yeh uh, plana. So it's good to do, good to have, and uh, it's an independent person who looks at it and tells you what's not clear, where you need to explain. So. My idea was that as as part of the editing job, she will begin to appreciate the book. And that is what happened. Uh, She'll begin to, she was not very sure that uh, this ideologically fits with her. A lot of people rejected even the job of editing in those days. Things have changed, but I'm telling you. 10-15 uh, years ago, it was very difficult to be taken seriously by Indians uh, for a book like this because they thought that, uh, you know, they'll be associated with some chauvinism. He's, he's a saffron guy. He's praising Hinduism what whatnot. So, this lady took it. And uh, I told her, I just quickly find out if the, what the errors are and fix it. But then as she got into it, She was fascinated. She would come back to me with questions. She said, I'd never thought of it this way. I never thought of it that way. Because editor has to read every sentence that is required. And as they read every sentence, it is a kind of a effect on their mind. Their mind starts rethinking. So she was an honest person. So gradually, after the first reading, she told me, she said, this is a fascinating book. I had never thought about all these things. And I don't think people in our country thinking like this. So then she did a second iteration, more deep. And by the time she was done, she said, you know, I'm going to take it to my friend, so-and-so, who's a publisher. She's the leader, head and all that. I will convince her she should publish it. So, She said, no, 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 I will talk to her. So, she actually championed this and took it to the top person in HarperCollins and got it uh, through. Otherwise, uh, and that person in HarperCollins also, you know, were very intelligent, but they don't even want to consider uh, such a topic in those days. After her friend told her "Be had genuine, hai, both important, hai, this publisher started reading it. So then this publisher got fascinated. She called me and we had many meetings in the HarperCollins office. And uh, I, I gradually they got very interested, so interested, she said, then she said that uh, this book, uh, it seems that uh, uh, this book will attract, uh, you know, a philosophical limited kind of people, but we should publish it as a matter of principle. So she started out like that. And they were shocked and surprised and amazed at how big a response it was. They kept telling me the more people read, the more they want to interest. Anyone who read this book, Anyone who actually read this book was so transformed, saying this is the greatest book we've read. It changed my life. I'm telling my kids to read it. I'm giving gift copies. So people are very impressed by that. So this book became a bestseller for the publisher. So that is the story. Now, I will tell you, I don't want to take credit for all this. But it is a fact that so many other authors were able to write books on India, Hinduism, you know, imagining India, reimagining India, Bharat India, India this, India that, all kind of books and all that coming up with uh, what is distinct and unique about India. So many books started coming. So many people started giving talks on why dharma is not religion. None of those things existed until this. But so much of the ideas from this book started turning into many people's books, many mantans, many conferences and so on. Uh, uh, therefore, it created a big influence. Uh, but initially, there was resistance. Second uh, second question, jo aapne kiya, Manisha, I think, Actually, disagree with the premise because I don't think we need a reformation. Reformation is a is a term that is a it applies to Christian history. Uh, Muslims need a reformation of Islam because they have a serious problem. It is not rediscovery of Christianity. It is actually reforming it. It is actually amending it. It is actually uh, saying that certain things have to be changed because it results in too much violence. It results in what not what not. So the 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 equivalent thing in our case is that we have to, first of all, rediscover our own Shastra. We have to rediscover our, uh, our own heritage before we can even think can we reform karna ya nahi karna. We have to discover it. As far as reformation is concerned, in our case, what we should say is writing new smritis. Writing new smritis is not a reformation. It is not a, a rejection of the past. It is recontextualizing the knowledge for a new new era, new epoch. So, aaj 21st century mein, we have to write the 21st century smritis. What should be our social theory? What should be our mind sciences? How do we apply the mind sciences to behavior and modification to all these kind of things? What is we should write a smriti on? Uh, you know, what should be our posture towards artificial intelligence? So these are these are these are not reformation. Uh, we are not rejecting anything, uh, but we have to produce new knowledge for today. So I would say that uh, the, the, the the I would restate the question what was the influence of this book for producing new smritis for today's world and i would say that the thinking has started the thinking has started i mean there are there are people who are uh, interested in taking uh, you know taking some of these ideas uh, further for today and when they do that they are in the world of new smritis. but it is not a reformation because it is not like uh, they are rejecting the past it, i i don't believe that the Vedic tradition needs to be rejected. I think that the the issues that exist, caste abuse, okay. Women need to be empowered, okay. But the resources exist within the tradition. And these abuses that may have come up are the result of corruption, uh, of the mental corruption, intellectual corruption over the centuries. These are not built into the tradition. These are things that have happened later on. And then we can amend them. So, yes, in a sense, it is reformation because you want to get rid of uh, uh, problems and and uh, uh, you know strengthen the, the 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 case for the dharma for today, uh, but the term reformation, I would I would say new smritis That is our term. Thank you, thank you, Rajivji. Thanks a lot.
2: That was fantastic answer to both my questions. Thank you.
0: So we can go to the next.
3: Yes, yes. Um, so thank you so much. I mean, I. I can go on and on reflection of the book i'll save some time because i there are a lot of questions there's a lot of excitement uh, but i can tell you one thing i'm uh, i hail from a very small town in india it's called bhuj it's in the desert of Kutch, and there was an earthquake 2000 major earthquake and a lot of uh, people lost their lives and shelter and that started my career in international development disaster management since then i've been uh, working and living in 30 countries and now finally i'm you know, working as a consultant with the World Bank in disaster management. And I traveled to so many countries uh, with this uh, understanding of this, this, you know, mainstream worldview, looking world uh, and all these indigenous population of the countries where I visited from a Western lens. Uh, It was not until this book when it got in my hand that actually allowed me to, uh, you know, rethink Uh, and revisit all these preconceived notions and this is the beauty of this book that it it is not about just uh, you know dharma while it is actually addressing the challenges uh, dharma and uh, contemporary global narrative it also allows one to open up to see beyond established uh, way and narrative and that helps a lot creatively so my question is that uh, you know how can the concepts of dharma provide solutions for modern day problems, as you just, uh, you know, mentioned about we have problems and the Dharma has the solution. And uh, what are the, you know, act, action points, policy tools, action points you would suggest that uh, we take up? Uh, we've been doing with this club, Vedic Yogi, a lot of discussion to generate knowledge and make people read because you got benefited a lot from the, you know, this this discipline of research, reading, sharing, discussion. Rather than just, uh, you know, very shallow TV debates, as you can see around happening most of the time, more and more it is happening. So what is it that uh, Dharma can teach you in the last joinder to that? What is that we can learn from the West to help us? Thank you.
0: Excellent. These are very good questions. So uh, if you take broad categories, broad categories of uh, how I would uh, take all this information, all this knowledge and uh, kind of uh, frame it for today. I would say there is one big category called mind sciences, Uh, the nature of the mind, neuroscience, uh, how yoga has influenced cognitive science, in the last 25 years, Westerners have done so much research on meditators and yogis, both Buddhist and Hindu, and they've, they've changed their ideas about uh, you know the nature of the mind and neuroscience. So many people, including a couple of Nobel prizes, have gone, and they've, they've hidden the influence of the you know sources. Uh, There was a Mind Life conference series which took the Dalai Lama for 25, 20, 25 years and uh, all the top American scientists uh, in various disciplines, physics and neuroscience and what they would uh, go to Dharamsala and then next year they would bring the the Dharamsala people to the U.S and uh, infinity foundation was involved in the early days because we were sponsoring we just wanted to learn what's going on and i was very concerned that they are digesting indian knowledge into their traditions and that is exactly what has happened so what has resulted is a field called mind sciences and i am writing some multiple volumes in fact i have written three uh, three uh, the equivalent of three volumes of text i have written it's a uh, thousand pages i have drafted and i'm looking for somebody to help me polish it up finish it off it, uh, you know complete all the gaps uh, it takes It would take a person who knows a bit of mind sciences, but also a lot about Buddhism and things like that, because there's a lot of that stuff in it. And I'm looking for some help because, uh, you know, I got too many books to write. And this is a three volume book series. On mind sciences and it's all about uh, uh, the future of mind sciences and how the our tradition uh, is at the foundation of that. Uh, this would be a big revolution to get this kind of book out. So that is one area, of mind sciences. The other area, social sciences. Uh, you know the nature of society. Uh, we social sciences today is bashing us as though we are the problem and they have the methods you know actually it should be the other way around because when you look at the nature of society uh, even democracy is uh, is is at uh, it's at risk right now it's not clear how long uh, you know, except for a few very powerful Western democracies, most of the uh, China is challenging the idea of democracy. Islam is challenging the idea of democracy. And uh, you are finding huge problems within democracies because there is a tendency to fragment, there is a tendency for infighting, there is tendency when you, people, uh, people get, uh, uh, you know, more and more away from a central idea and a unified idea and there is always too much investment, too much time, too much GDP being spent on just keeping the views, keeping the country together and moving forward with consensus because consensus building is very difficult. It takes a lot of time and money and energy. So that is so the social sciences, social political thought, if you broadly call it social sciences, you know, we are our people have not done enough work on Vedic social sciences. And I I have been doing it and I have to publish that. That is something I have to complete. Uh, I would like to be able to do that. I need help with, uh, with that. But I need help from very serious people, good writers, good thinkers. Altufaltu, uh, I get keep hundreds of offers all the time, but they're not uh, that good at it, you know. So the, the thing is that uh, uh, the second, so, so the first is mind sciences, which is which takes all this knowledge and makes it uh, relevant for today's society. Uh, the second is, uh, I would say, social sciences uh, that, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned. The third is the future of science, physics, natu- physics, meta- uh, the f- actual physics. I'm not talking about philosophy. I'm talking about you know uh, the nature, the nature of causation, quantum physics. The uh, there is a there are a lot of uh, research that has come out that uh, water has memory. Water has memory, uh, and and you can keep diluting. You 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 put some influence in water. And then you keep diluting it to, you know, one in a million parts, one in a billion parts where phys- normal physics would say that there's nothing left. How can it be? How can there be any trace of it left? But water has a memory. Uh, no matter how much you uh, you you dilute it, uh, even an infinitesimal component of that original thing, original experience which the uh, water got is remembered and, and it can be reproduced. So this... This is done by some Nobel laureates uh, nowadays. This is not coming out in the mainstream, but it will. So when you look at the, the idea of uh, uh, dark matter, when you look at the idea of uh, uh, you know energy, which is not even known to us, the vast majority of energy, which we don't even know about, we, we, the instruments are not able to detect it. And modern physics does not know how to explain it. The unexplained phenomena in, in physics is huge. So I feel that the, the, uh, at the frontiers of science, there is a role for our tradition to play, but we need very smart people. We need people who both who understand both sides. You need to understand physics, consciousness, biology. You need to understand life sciences from the Western point of view and be involved at the cutting edge of all these laboratories and all the think tanks that exist in the US and in Europe. At the same time, you need to be very well versed with the foundations of our own thought. Okay. So problem is you get people know one or the other, but they don't know both. And if they happen to know both, they know it very superficially. They just know how to go to some talk and say, OK, quantum physics, Schrodinger said this and Oppenheimer said that. And ha, ha, ha. This all comes from Vedas. and Everybody claps. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about superficial, uh, popular level, you know, uh, how to feel good. I'm not talking about feeling good. I'm talking about hard sciences, deep, deep, meta- deep theories. Mathematically derived, proven empirically, I'm talking about very robust science, and I'm saying that the future of science has a lot to will have a lot to do with Vedic thought. My prediction is that the Vedic thought will not be credited; it will be digested; it will all come out as new discoveries by Westerners and Indians involved with them. Uh, but the 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 origins of uh, of these ideas um, with the with the rishis will not be credited. And so what will happen is the study of Vedas and Sanskrit and our tradition will be more like a museum. You know, some people, they they do all these studies because they have nostalgia, they're chauvinistic, and they're happy to tell their children we had great parents and grandparents and great ancestors. It will become more like that, you know. It will not be a genuine pursuit of uh, knowledge because I'm finding that uh, even in something like Ayurveda, I'm finding that the cutting-edge research is being done in places like Harvard and uh, Massachusetts General Hospital. Uh, I've, I've gone there and I, inter- I did uh, three, four days of uh, interviews. I produced 12, 12, uh, uh, you know, uh, videos which we have not published. I think we published only two or three of them. Uh, with on the cutting edge of what they are doing with. Indian meditation and uh, Ayurveda and yoga and how they're studying the effect on the body and the effect on, uh, uh, you know, microbiome. I mean, nobody in India is studying, you know, artificial intelligence and microbiome. We're not studying that. They're studying it from our, these are ideas we've pioneered. Uh, the, 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 this whole epigenetic, uh, the epigenetics. Uh, there is genetics and then there's epigenetics. The epigenetics has so much to do with with our thought. But our people, they, if, they, if they are brilliant biologists and life sciences people, they're not interested in, they don't know too much about Vedic stuff. If they know Vedic stuff, they just go around chanting here and there and get a lot of claps for it and awarded for it, but they really don't know too much how to apply it for today's sciences. So this this business of people who are multifaceted, multidisciplinary and very creative, very creative and very courageous and able to dare into unknown and produce uh, new ideas that we don't have so i've given you three big categories i've said the future of natural sciences and the the, the deep the deep sciences and the future of uh, social sciences and the future of mind sciences all three of these are going to be frontiers where you can tell i can tell you uh, in the next 5 10 years, and artificial intelligence is a big catalyst that drawing all this, pulling or pushing all this together because it accelerates the discovery process. This is the future, and our people don't know. People, I, our people want me to talk about some scandal happened here, church problem, Mandir destroy, FRI, I mean, I got sucked into this for the last 10 years, and I wish I had not. I wish I had not gone into all that kind of nonsense because it takes away so much energy from the real serious work that I should be doing. Nor other people can do all that work; they can go to Republic TV and all these places and make all this drama shrama. And I'm talking about something else. Our people are too much into the into the melodrama part of renaissance, which is important. Also, I guess it brings more support and votes, and it brings more people interested. But you, where are the scholars? Where are the very deep, heavy scholars? I need those guys. Send them to me. I want to have them work with me. Uh, so I'm in a summary. I'm saying the future of mind sciences, the future of social sciences, and the future of physics and life sciences. All three of these are very big topics of my thinking and my work. I don't. I don't write. I don't write uh, small versions. I wish I would. I could. But the reason I'm scared is people plagiarize it, they copy it and they turn it into chota mota blog here and somebody's uh, YouTube channel. And then, then uh, and people think kaam ho gaya. And then Mera kaam nahi hua na, because I have to still go on ruggedoing and working hard to produce my book. And by the time a book comes out, people will say, so, I, so in order not to dilute the impact of my book, I have to hide it. I have to keep it secret, which means that I'm getting old and may die. Not even nobody, successor who can take it over from me. And I don't want to give it to irresponsible people either. So I want to, uh, so I just want you to know that the, the, the future of Vedic sciences, Vedic knowledge system, let's say, is currently being developed at the cutting edge by people in the West. And that's a shame.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Can, I, can I say man. something? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I be? had a follow-up question, but I'll ask him later. Go ahead, Majir, ma'am. Uh,
4: thank you, uh, Rajivji. Uh, I think the point you put put here about the uh, artificial science and the artificial intelligence and uh, natural sciences. Uh, I'm somebody who has been a physics student all my life and currently I'm working on artificial intelligence in microorganisms, So I can relate to your statement and... Uh, i'm probably the first person in the country i'm working on right now on this subject and my approach um, towards the science has always been uh, in terms of vedic and i uh, and i would credit it to my genetic memory uh, and the the practices or the rituals i do uh, i have one question i read your book long time ago and my favorite chapter is again the third, chapter 3 which is about integral unity and synthetic unity. I I still don't know that maybe it's my favorite because I haven't understood it. And I'm still curious to you uh, to reread it again and to understand and actually apply it for my advantage and my civilization advantage. I had one question when I was hearing you said that we do lack uh, the uh, courage and the creativity to do something new and to be wandering around in unknown uh, um, unknown why do you think is uh, my uh, my uh, one more comment I would like to add if you want to confirm if you can confirm this do you think that is because the way our education system is that uh, is we are studying from the point of view of western point of view that actually doesn't give us a poor um, background uh, about our own about our own generation Memory, because it for me when I came to a Western country, I was very confused. That how do I address such issues? Because there were so many questions. And your book actually provided a little bit of voice uh, to uh, for people like me, so I could understand. Okay, I don't know how to look at this perspective. Oh, so there is a different uh, how people approach in the west even to the uh, I, I worked in germany and i was amazed as you said the way they were actually approaching to the problem and i have worked in india as well and the way they approach to the problem except the few very very uh highly like isc bangalore and Tata institute research organization the way they approach uh, except these three uh, is very to what science is very very different and uh yeah my uh, coming back to my question i wanted to ask you that uh, what do you think is the reason exit reason that that we actually um are not uh creative enough or not uh, are or scared to wander into unknown places um when it comes to natural sciences or uh, mixing these two uh, subjects like uh like psychology and robotics um thank so, you so, so this is
0: I- No, this is a very good question. So, let me answer. Why is there no creativity or not enough creativity? India's R&D budget as a percentage of GDP is one of the worst in the world. Uh, You know, because we just want to borrow, beg, borrow, steal, copy here and there, license karo, manufacture karo. Even the big, imagine the the people like Jio and Reliance who got no shortage of money, uh, would rather rent, uh, rather license the... Uh, Android platform and the search engine from Google and uh, all their AI stuff, AI platforms. Uh, they are the people with billions of dollars uh, sitting around and instead of uh, say, using that money on stupid things and make making a few people, few shareholders very rich, they ought to reinvest it in R&D. We ought to have created our AI platform. We ought to create our own uh, operating system platform. We ought to uh, create our own search engines. We ought to do there's so many and we are basically becoming consumer of the other people technology. We are the consumer. They are the product producer, even if they are producer using Indian brains. So the, the answer I get is, ka, nay, 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 sahab, aap jante nah, 25% in Microsoft to Indian, Indian log and 25% of the people. Ka, kar rahe na. That doesn't mean that it's an property, hogi, intellectual property. That property a Microsoft ki hogi na. Wo property. It's a property that Google India. It's a property we're We're like a bunch of, like Bihar's they become construction workers and they're building the rich band's house. Uh, so they can go and tell the village ki bi, log to bohuti, uh, uche hain. we are involved in all these uh, we are involved in the cutting edge of uh, construction the point is they're laborers that's all they don't own even one brick if the man puts a, installs one lakh bricks during his life he doesn't even own the one brick as his uh, property all it belongs to the client uh, he's just a knocker who after finishing one job he goes to the next job so hamari may tech lo i call them tech coolies. Because the art system has produced, has created uh, the cream of our uh, population have been turned into tech gullies, gullies. A few of them, very, very small percent of them who run away go to Silicon Valley, they become billionaires. Okay. As you said, the DNA is there. The genetics is there. But the genetics has not been utilized by our system. Now, this is a very serious problem. In this uh, AI book, I'm talking a lot about it. And and you know what? Even people like like Nithi Ayog and PMO's office and all that, rather than thinking that this guy is making some sense, let's uh, let's listen to him. They boycotted it. I sent so many copies of my book to all these Niti Ayo people, Ministry Yevo Plana people and tried to uh, get them to, uh, you know, organize some events. Where I can go give seminars and conferences. The only people who were interested in really listening to me, military people, army headquarters, Navy, Air Force people. They understand because they're very pragmatic people. They understand what I'm talking about. And some academic people here and there are also very interested in listening. But jaha par power hai, whether it is Indian industrialists like uh, Reliance, or TCS, or or par power hai in the government, those people are so defensive. They are so sold out. So, one... One re- one answer to lack of innovation, India lacks innovation, uh, uh, at the level of uh, systems. Individuals are innovative. India both innovative, but it is not in the institutions. It is not where the funding is. It is not where the priority is given. So that is partly because the people in power are more kind of power oriented, selfish oriented, uh, not uh, risk oriented, not able to stick their neck out and take risks. Whereas China took made some very big bets. Uh, in the in the from the year 2000 onwards, China decided we'd be number one or two in the world in all robotics and drones and so, so solar panels and you name it in quantum computing, all kind of stuff, AI. So they put all these bets. They, they sent uh, lakhs of Chinese young people, brilliant people to America to study like India sends, But their people go back because chinese had huge projects jaise hamara isro ka project hai for innovation aise hamara baba atomic research ka project hai for innovation we haven't had this in the in the whole field of uh, it computer science artificial intelligence we have not had similar chote mote projects, projects hai. there is maybe some professor here jiske paas five student hain jo kuch kaam karte hai. that will not make it you would not have had an isro if the, if it was just a uh, bunch of uh, professors here and there and chota mota project here and there, uske saal aap rocket thoda sakte hain. So you know we uh, the, this is the job of the big thinkers in Delhi. They have to think like this, and the big industrialists they have to think like this. So if the system rewards no, does not reward innovation and uh, original thinking. Then you know that, that the brains who are able to do it, who go and leave for other countries, and those who become coolies. Uh, you know, so this is the this is uh, this is uh, a very syst- deep systematic systemic area, and I am not sure India can solve it in the current uh, uh, current uh, structure with. The, too much emphasis on vote banking and next election and kisko all this kind of nonsense, which are media, social media is full of that. Uh, I'm not sure that the, these real issues are being given enough attention by the important people. Now, as far as uh, uh, risk taking is concerned by the tradition, uh, the tradition people are so unimaginative. I go to, I have an issue where, where I want help. I'm willing to spend money. I'm willing to hire people. I, I go and do that all the time. I go to Sanskrit places. I go to Shingeri. I go to Kanchi. I go to, um, you know, uh, you know uh, people in uh, Pondicherry or Sri Ormundo people. I go to uh, Banaras Hindu University. I've had conferences in these places. My God, have I had conferences. So many conferences to recruit people. I tried all that. I've gone to IIT Madras several times. I've gone to Indian Institute of Science many times. I've done it all over. And I find that very, very, very tiny percent of the people are really innovative and really original thinkers, out-of-the-box thinkers because, you know, they they spend so much of their time doing the basic duties which are not very creative and imaginative. You know, they, they, All their pran is wasted on useless things. So, Westerners come. They come and pick their brain. They go back and they turn it into some their own idea of their own original claim. Or they fly these people to some fancy conference or somewhere in the West. Unko first class ticket mil unko hoti hai. They suck the knowledge out of them, and then they send them back. And these people are very happy and they're very loyal to the West because unko ki thi. So this is how our people are. They, they have, the originality. I would. I'll tell you the the non translate sanskrit non translatables i did not get much support from our sanskrit people and now they're saying oh my this is very interesting and i'm saying you people are you people have been making the wrong mistake thinking to popular ho jaoge ye jo sanskrit study, ye jo, uh, rashtriya sanskrit uh, Vallab, radha Vallab big shot uh, i know them I've gone to their conferences. I've been invited as speaker. But, you know, they are, they are so much in awe of the West. They think that uh, uh, William Jones is the father of uh, Sanskrit. What a stupid thing. They, the, you know, there was a conference in Delhi, uh, some World Sanskrit Conference, uh, inaugurated by Prime Minister, all kind of stuff. So, Because, of, uh, because I had I, I written a chapter on uh, Sanskrit non-translatables in this book, so they invited me to speak. Uh, and I spoke all this stuff. So jo organizer tha, he took me aside. He wanted to, to not to be seen with me as if sharm ki baat hai. He said, no, 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 no. I, I want to talk to you privately so nobody can see. I said, what is wrong? Mere mein kya baat hai? What is wrong with me that you can't be seen in public? But he wanted to say, privately Don't involve me. I said, what is wrong with you? So this is, this is stupid. This is the mentality of our people. So in his brochure, and I criticized it. I have the courage to stand up in fr- making a keynote address. I held up the brochure of the conference, said page one, page, they had put the picture of, uh, they said, the the we, owe, we have a huge debt to these Westerners. And they put up all their pictures. They put up William Jones and they put up this fellow, that fellow, all kind of people uh, who, kind of, quote, discovered Sanskrit, but as if they discovered it, you know. William Jones hired a few pundits to translate some books, and we uh, became known as Pandit uh, William Jones. Uh, and so, our like they are some devatas, you know. So, our people have this inferiority complex. So, I tell you, the Sanskrit valas today are quite a disgrace. They have learnt a lot, memorized a lot, they can stand and impress people, and uh, it, but today, that memory is like It's like an iPod. iPod can chant shlokas. iPod can chant shlokas. If it is all, if the ability to chant, uh, you know, thousands of shlokas will make you enlightened, then iPod would be enlightened by now. There will be a lot of iPods walking around with moksha saying, we are chanting mantra every day, so we must be enlightened. The point is you have to also understand these things, not just blindly chant. You have to put it in the context of your life. The, the, the vibration has a huge value. Absolutely true. But then after you've got that vibrational value, you've got to be able to apply it. You've got to be able to see the world with your that drishti through that vibration. That's a whole new game that our people are not good at. I have for 25, 30 years been going around wherever I found talent or I thought talent. And wherever somebody would send me, I've done all that. And I found that the Sanskrit experts for the most part are very closed. They're living in a little bu- bubble. They they are not familiar with Western thought. I, I I want innovative things like I want to take some new theory of life from a biological point of view or some new uh, theory of consciousness, and I want our Sanskrit guy to tell me where in the Vedas that is written and what is our response. Now that requires them to understand and read the Western thought. I, I we we've hired. Uh, I, I we've given so many grants where. I give them a Western uh, material and I say, now I want you to give me an Indian response from our tradition. So there, the, I get an answer which says, okay, to isko mein lag and we do not have the training how to read this. So, you know, we, 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 we uh, our, our approach to Sanskrit should not be... Just memorizing it and teaching it. What to teach Sanskrit Spoken Sanskrit for uh, how to order a cup of tea and how to order Uber taxi in Sanskrit. Votok, they're doing all that. That's one level of Sanskrit. But I'm talking about the deep thought, the deep metaphysical uh, principles, the f- deep philosophies. Every one word, like my book Sanskrit Non Translatable shows, every one word can be expanded into a volume because there's so much knowledge in that one word. And how to apply this one word to today in science? Uh, you know, how to apply it to, for relevance today. That is what I, the Sanskrit that is not being done. So the the, a- the absence of uh, true scholarship, true innovation is very serious. The gurus are not doing this. They're basically, they'll hire somebody and the idea of Sanskrit is popular level talk, you know. Um, and very chauvinistic quotes. Now teach me how to make an atom bomb based on the Vedic stuff. Push. Uh, pushback Viman, okay, fine, get me, let's make a pushback Viman. show me how you guys can make a pushback Viman based on all this. So, the innovation is not there. And this is partly institutional, partly slavery <laughs> Partly that, partly the sarkari kind of mentality. Partly it is that, uh, you know, who the hell cares because, uh, uh, what matters is I want their votes and unko emotional, un, emotional baate sikhado. They'll vote for me. So chalo kaam Who cares? This is all long term. So, I don't care about long term. So, the problems of lack of innovation are many. And I'm so happy that people here are at least able to acknowledge we got some issues. And I want you to go to your gurus and talk about it to your MPs, to your uh, to, their, to your, uh, the, the big uh, uh, celebrities in social media. Ask them, what the hell are you doing about all this? famous to But what are you doing about all this? So your question is very important. And it's a, it, it is only people like you who can go on pestering the authorities to make changes. And the changes have to be very radical at all levels. Thank you. Thank you.
3: you.
5: Uh, is something that we
3: all uh, really, you inspire a lot of youth and uh, there are a lot of youth in our audience uh, who will find some action points from your book, because that's one of the best thing about your books. It actually gives you, you know, uh, an action point, what to do next. So that is, that is a great thing. I would not take much time. I would just want to quickly reset the room and, We have a lot of questions coming up, a lot of people on the panel we acknowledge. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Our room is called, uh, our club is called Vedic Yogic under the leadership of Ravi Singh Chaudhary is one of the moderators here. We uh, conduct the discussion on Tattva Chintan of our Dharmic Darshan and try to educate, aware and uh, tantalize people to read more books related to our Tattva Chintan, get educated on Dharma and their tenets, and make themselves more Benefit uh, benefited by this knowledge and take it in your day-to-day life. So this is uh, we're going to have more and more discussion on books, and we're going to have discussion with the authors. So please uh, follow our, our club and uh, follow all of the moderators, and definitely read Being Different if you haven't read yet. That is one book everybody should read. If it is were to me, I would make it as a compulsory reading for anybody who's traveling abroad. Uh, at least uh, Indians or Indian origin people or anybody who cares for dharma living abroad must read. It's a must-read book.
0: So so can I Can I just make one quick comment on what you said? So uh, uh, this book has been translated into Hindi. It's called Vibhinata. It's a Hindi and it's written in very good Hindi, very deep Hindi by some very important people who wrote it. And they are very upset that they invested so much time and energy. I gave it to, uh, I went to uh, RSS meetings, I went to BJP meetings. I said, Ki pas, I have a few hundred copies left in Delhi. If you will distribute it to scholars, I will give it to you free. Uh, I tried so much. There's no excuse. Uh, uh, this is not for uh, common, uh, quick reading, fiction, storytelling, Hindi, this is for somebody who wants to read a few pages a day, meditate on it, understand it. It will change his whole life. It is like reading a like some kind of a, uh, you know, shastra. Uh, and, and so if people are interested in Hindi, we have a Hindi edition. Uh, it is available. And if it's not available, I'll get you copies. And if, you, if the copies are sold out, you can get more copies printed. People have to... Other people have to jump into this. I am now working on my next twenty books. If people want to take this on, and I think one of the South Indian languages we have it. Either it's a, I'm forgetting. I think it's either in Tamil or uh, 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 or or Kannada. It is there is a edition of uh, being different available uh, in that. Also, uh, I, I've forgotten it was a long time ago that somebody translated. And, you know, a, a, as far as I'm concerned, I give the authorization and the right for someone to translate, sell it, make it, make money, do whatever they want. As long as they do a good quality job, I, I, I'm OK with it. So so you have this available in the at least a couple of Indian languages, but there's no excuse. Uh, for, for, for someone to say that we have no English, हम नहीं English because you do have it. It's a question of are you willing to put in the time? You will definitely so,
3: be rewarded very good if information. You put in the... And we have to say that we have to say we have to say that we we have to say that 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 we we have a lot of questions, a lot of people are here. Uh, I will uh, hand it over to Vinit, please carry on and then we'll have uh, you know, other panelists uh, speaking. Uh,
6: thank you Akshat Ji uh, and thank you very much Rajiv Ji. Uh, it's a privilege uh, to share stage with you. Uh, I will not take much time. Um, other uh, mods have already reflected on your book, and my reflections are pretty much in the same line. Uh, I'm I'm still reading the book. I'm on fourth chapter now, and I'm pretty sure I'll have to read it two or three more times to understand the third chapter. Uh, uh, I, I would say, if uh, you know, uh, if I were Hanuman, this book will be my jamvant. I mean, uh, this is like uh, this is already changing my thought thought uh, template, so to say. Uh, the way you have articulate, articulated the differences between Western religions and Dharmic traditions, uh, how they cause anxieties, and how West West's compelled by their religious teachings operates to digest cultures by different means, destruction, isolation, and enculturation. So this has been an eye-opener. And my question was how, what, what we can do, like... Uh, to to raise awareness uh, about this book, but you have already answered that. So, uh, but we will continue to, uh, and uh, I have already uh, in my friend circles, in my family, I have already uh, uh, started talking about this book and uh, telling them to read it. I'll I'll start uh, 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 gifting this book to my friends and family. So uh, uh, I'll continue to do all that. Thank you very much.
0: So, iske mein mein ek point hun, uh, ki, uh, regarding awareness, uh, you see, uh, one of the things I did in my corporate life before I left all my corporate life, uh, uh, for the first 23 years of my life, I came here 50 years ago in the US. Uh, For the first 23 years, I was into making money, corporate guy, uh, investor, uh, entrepreneur. Uh, I I started 20 companies, did very well. And then for the next 27 years after that, I have been into this whole seva of dharma. Uh, So my life can be divided into those two parts. Uh, In the first part, uh, I I was into AI, computer science, uh, you know, in those days, Doing with a lot of pioneering work and doing very well for myself. Now I realize, one of the things I used to do uh, was uh, industry analysis. Uh, I, I used to analyze industries, uh, tech industries, information industries, those sort of things. And I did it uh, for for some, at one point in time. I did it uh, as a as a management consultant for top biggest tech companies. So when you analyze an industry, you divide the producers and the uh, and the uh, Retailers, distributors. Though, uh, jolo ka jolo technology and te jolo distribute karte And the distribution people do the repackaging, they brand it, they, they translate it, they turn it into different different modules and they market it. So, I got this idea, and as I was uh, developing my strategies, I got the idea that in our tradition, maybe knowledge producers or knowledge distributors hona chengi. So, my uh, uh, strength is knowledge producer as a researcher. Other people should do distribution. They should take my knowledge and distribute it. Why do Because they want to show off that they have They want to take everything as their own and give it. Either they'll appropriate it, copy it and call it their own, which they can't do because they don't have the depth. Or they will boycott it because unless it is their own, they don't want to uh, promote somebody else. So, here my problem. You see, if you look at my competition, if you look at, say, Romila Thapar, she does not have to spend any time distributing her knowledge. She does not even have a YouTube channel. She does not have to go running around uh, spreading her knowledge. All Other people do it for her. She's got hundreds of uh, people that are in so inspired in the Indian left that she produces knowledge and they distribute it for her. You look at Ramchandra Guha; he has to go a little bit here and there, give some talks, but he doesn't have some big channel. Channel uh, he's into writing, researching. So my my I'm the I'm the Hindu equivalent of those kind of people. But I should not be wasting my time having to go running around distributing my knowledge. I am having to do it because nobody else will do it. So, my first challenge was produce this knowledge. Second challenge was ki, bab, usko, ab distribute kaun karega, toh, hi So, if I go running around, you know, 50 conferences, I do a lot lecture here. I'm happy to do that, by the way. But I want distribution help. I want other people to say, okay, give me, I'll translate it into 10 languages and distribute it. I will make little, little booklets out of it and distribute it. I will make videos. I will make animations. I will make computer games. Uh, I will do all that stuff and make it very friendly people come to me and say आप आपने इतना You friendly कर friendly. You इसको फ्रानी लैंग्वेज में निकाल You आप इसको पांच मिनट में You मिनट का वीडियो बनाएँ अब it is lot of lot of responsibility and burden which other people should, sh- sh- uh, should uh, share
6: should share so thank you
0: for raising Amen. this
6: thank you uh, thank you sir mm-hmm. and we will we will we will do our best and we will not stop we will uh, continue to uh, uh, Take your work forward. We will try to do all that you have suggested, and we will will we'll try to make it a mass movement.
3: Mr. Singh, I will repeat once again. If you have read the book and you want to ask any questions or want to share anything, please contact Mr. Chaudhary on the back channel. And after that, we will invite you. So please don't interrupt it between, even if you are on the panel. We are trying to, you know, uh, bring some order in our uh, day-to-day. Uh, activities and this is a sadhana. Gyaan is sadhana. We also have a little bit of a sadhana in that way. So now I will be Vinati Karunga, Please Ravi ji, uh, uh, please facilitate Q&A session with Rajiv ji. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Akshat sir. So I will be starting from Koshikji
0: ji uh, because uh, he asked first. Yeah. So can I can I uh, interject one it? quick can, can I just interject one quick thing before? Yeah, I yeah. So there is somebody in the audience called Ragini. You should bring her up. Uh, she is a, per, a person who did her PhD on be different. Now she ought to be recognised. This is the kind of role model. She has worked ten years to produce in the in the Toronto. May uh, she got a PhD. Uh, On the Being Different book, acknowledging it, quoting it right and left, interpreting it, explaining, explaining his relationship with Western thought, all the stuff that I'm talking about, she took it into the academy, put it right in front of them, faced a lot of uh, drama. Uh, challenge those people. So she's like a hero as far as I'm concerned. I wish there were more people doing it, but at least she's here in the audience. I want you to acknowledge her, and at, whenever the, her turn comes, you should give her a chance to explain her relationship with this book, uh, and and how what all has happened, what all it meant to her. Uh, I, because here is a person who, you know, she 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 devoted years of her life, got into a PhD program in a in a Canadian university at, for writing a book on this this topic, for writing a dissertation on this topic. So I just want to uh, thank her for being here. Thank
1: you. Ji, Actually, uh, Rajiv Sir, Ragini Ma'am has joined our earlier sessions when we were Logo. Ko ki, uh, what is this book all about. And Ragini Ma'am has given us a lot of insight uh,
0: how she approached the book. So it's a good idea to Haan. let her uh, let her address the bigger audience today because I think she will her experience will inspire many others. So whenever you have a chance, I would suggest that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, sir.
1: So, so Ragini ma'am, uh, uh, we will come to you after Kaushik ji. Uh, we will. We want to listen to you. Yeah. Thank you.
7: Uh, namaste, sabko. Uh, namaste, Rajiv sir. I am a fan sir. i reading वो different डिफरेंटली पढ़ी थी और उसने मेरा पूरा व्यू बदल दिया था और लाइक वो मेरे पास English बुक है मैंने वो इंग्लिश में भी पढ़ी बाद में हिंदी में उसकी करके पढ़ी थी, थी और खास तौर पे जो उसका जो केओटिक मॉडल का आपने I डिफाइन किया था और जोकर और बैटमैन वर्सेस वो तो मतलब मेरा पूरा लाइक ग्राउंड ब्रेकिंग था तो मेरा अब मैं टेक्निकल से भी हूं तो मैं एक अपनी observation uh, artificial intelligence is a uh, machine learning based machine learning. We use two models. Simpler models, जिन, mathematical equations, such as linear model, polynomial models, support vector, random forest, and, and all. But we have neural networks. When we talk about the 70s, the cold stores, the 90s, the 90s, the 90s, the so if we bahut ground the research hui to support vector machine model hai linear model hai accuracy and precision match up kar sakta hai lekin cases compatible with बैठ सकते हैं। लेकिन वो models neural network compatible accuracy meet up क्यों? neural network is complex model so, मेरे अनुसार जो वेस्टर्न फिलॉसफी है वो सिर्फ और सिर्फ हमारा सिंपलर सिंपलर मॉडल्स है जबकि जो हमारे इंडियन सिस्टम है फिलॉसफी है वो हमारा एक तरीके से न्यूरल नेटवर्क है कैओटिक है इसकी कोई एक एग्जैक्ट मैथमेटिकल इक्वेशन नहीं है बट इसमें चीजें एक दूसरे से अलग-अलग ये ये, ये यूजुअली कौन होते हैं ये, ये यूजुअली कॉलेज स्टूडेंट्स होते हैं या जो वर्किंग प्रोफेशनल्स होते हैं ये एक्स्ट्रा कहीं पे कहीं बैठ करके अह ग्राउंड पार्क पे पार्कों में बैठकर के भी मोक्ष प्राप्त हो जाता है तो लाइक ऐसे तो यूजुअली होता नहीं मेरा और ये जब भी हमारे न्यू शास्त्रास को इंटरप्रेट करते हैं अपने न्यू फॉलोअर्स के आगे तो उन्हें और कंफ्यूज कर देते हैं तो क्या हमारे पास ऐसा कोई चेक मैकेनिज्म चाहिए इन न्यू बाबास को लेकर के कि आ, जब तक
0: आप Chaos theory, all of these kind of things, fuzzy logic, uh, artificial intelligence can't be explained in terms of linear thinking. वे, वे I am writing some more books. One book my books Artificial Intelligence, which people should read because it opens up the topics. It tells you the problems of many, many kinds. It also tells you why India is in serious trouble as a country. Uh, you need uh, you need to read it and then it will make you very, very powerful in your discussions and debates on many topics. But uh, I am writing many more volumes on AI. Uh, I am taking it into the Vedic system. So, I'm, I'm writing, one is uh, AI and social sciences, Indian social sciences, because AI is being used to change society, uh, censoring uh, people, uh, you know, what kind of ideology is allowed, what kind of ideology is not allowed. You're sara left-wing, social justice, uh, human rights, it's all being controlled through AI algorithms now. Or if you, whether you know it or not, YouTube is making, uh, deciding konsa chalega, konsa nahi chalega, and there is ideology bias in it. So, uh, currently, the social sciences model that has been built into the, uh, into the AI system is Western social sciences and not Vedic social sciences. So, we is have to change a and I am working on it. I am also working on the mind sciences side of it. But, you know, the important thing is that uh, the other issue, uh, the other area is that, new uh, uh, neural network is uh, today Western science idea of how brain works. 50 years ago, they had different idea. Today's idea is neural network. I mean, they had the same terminology, but today the knowledge is more. And in 10, 20 years, the knowledge will be more advanced. So, neural network is basically neuroscience, today's neuroscience. And uh, uh, computer science it models it, takes the neuroscience model and simulates it and puts it into software. So just say neurons are working in the brain as we understand it, we're trying to write software to make the same thing. And this way, the just like the human being learns, child learns, child is taught knowledge, child is taught language, child is taught different things. Uh, in the brain, how the neuro, neural network allows it to happen. Same way, the artificial intelligence, machine learning replicates the behavior of neurons, tries to make it, uh, uh, at least that is a goal, tries to use the our idea, our understanding of neuro, neuro, neuroscience and use the computers to uh, repli- replace it with the computer type of learning. And this is called artificial intelligence. This is machine learning. The algorithms then become smarter and smarter. Now, i have asked several other questions uh, to take it deeper first question i asked is the way the way the microcosm and the macrocosm are mirror images of each other this is something in the, you probably find it in chapter 3 the microcosm and the macrocosm the whole cosmos is contained in the human human being and the human being is a reflection of the whole cosmos you know, this is the whole idea when uh, Krishna opens his mouth, his whole universe in his uh, mouth, you know, that kind of an idea. That you have all the cosmos and the cosmos hai, it reflects your, uh, you and you reflect the cosmos. So, if neural networks, uh, neural, do neural networks, with neural networks are the basis for artificial intelligence? Uh, is there a cosmic network is there a cosmic equivalent of neural network is there a cosmic intelligence is there a cosmic algorithm so this is what i'm studying i'm researching i'm i'm researching and coming up with amazing insights written in our uh, shastra
7: how the cos- sir, aapka wo, wo concept ji
0: jih- nah. actually we are short yeah yeah, yeah yeah simple level i'm I'm not uh, interested in just one shlok here and there. I'm going very, very deep into it. And this is not a matter of writing, you know, a few pages of uh, uh, you have to go deep. I have to go into a level such that you could actually make new kinds of AI machines, build on our understanding. I want that build based on Vedic metaphysics of how the cosmos works. I want to be able to create a new kind of AI. So, it will actually be practical also. Uh, we will actually be able to put into a machine, into a system, the intellig- cosmic intelligence. So, this is a very different uh, level than just saying, okay, I am not interested in that. Uh, so, so, for me, it is many, many years of tapasya and research and trying to figure out how how is, how what is the mechanism of cosmic intelligence? What is the mechanism? I have discovered this during this... Uh, 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 last few years of writing this book, I discovered all this. But in the last three, four months, because I was not well, lying in bed and a lot of time to meditate and think and what not. Sorry, I keep getting these calls. Uh, So, uh, re-reading all these old books, re-reading many of the texts uh, that I read years ago, reading them again and coming up with new insights. So, I am now so excited about my latest insights and latest discoveries, uh, it can fill up large amount of books and I have to write all that. And this is, this is the future of AI. This is the future of AI and this is how you bring our Vedic knowledge into the modern age. Because I tell you, a Vedic uh, foundation, a Vedic engine, like uh, like they have this uh, natural language processing, GPT-3, all these uh, uh, you know, engines that are driving the machine learning and uh, all that kind of stuff today. Um, a Vedic-based uh, you know engine would be so phenomenal so i have also developed uh, a few proposals but these are going to be uh, these are going to require lots of money I, which i don't have uh, these are there are there are uh, there are uh, uh, people who are working with me computer science people who are also Vedic-informed. And I'm guiding them, advising them. And they are. I want to turn it into actual implementation. I don't, I'm not satisfied with quoting Ashoka. I want to actually have a project where you get a, something like a GPT-3, but much more profound. Uh, and they, what they come up with is you need to create a team of this many people. Then you need this much hardware. plana, And then before you know it, it's a large project. You need a decent amount of money. And neither the the government type of people nor the industrialist type of people because, you know, this is sort of like very profound and very long-term and they don't want to worry, bother about it. Their attitude is that uh, America is we will license it. It our job. What Google, McKinsey, we it's better. So we are not able to take the big giant leap where, where I'm telling you Vedic knowledge and Vedic cosmology can become a major source for a whole new breakthrough in things like AI. So, I will stop with that because this is a big topic. And if you want to discuss it as a separate topic, I'm happy to come back and, and discuss it as a separate topic. Uh, but I, uh, I I just I just thought that what this gentleman said uh, kind of gave me an opening. And I just wanted to let you know this. Thank you. Oh,
6: thank, thank you. Me. Yeah, thank yeah you, Vinay uh, J. J. Uh, thank you, Rajiv Ji. I uh, 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 housekeeping announcement. I want a housekeeping announcement. Because people see more stage, a uh, to fir, uh, uh, prioritize. So those have questions will be audience the uh, audience. Mein move ho thank you. So you
0: should ask Ragini, to, uh, because many people here may not know about her whole story. Uh, and her relationship with this—this uh, this being different, Ragini—it'll be nice if you spend a few minutes tell what you did, why you did it, what came out of it, you know, what all experiences you had along the way. It'll be nice.
7: Oh,
8: thank you, Rajivji. You're you're too kind. I'm not, I'm not deserving of so much attention from you, but uh, certainly I can say that your work is paradigm shifting and. Uh, um, my mind always gets boggled when I listen to you because you have such a huge range of topics you're working on, and it's so exciting. But in terms of my work, you know, um, uh, I was uh, doing research on yoga, and uh, my mind was so colonized, and I'm not, and I was so unhappy that I thought I was going to quit. Uh, I couldn't find uh, any reflection of my anger, my anguish. That I couldn't find a place for uh, dharmic viewpoint in that Western I couldn't find it and I was so confused and I was looking for some words and, and some theoretical framework that I could express the my confusion and, and then then fortunately I saw YouTube, a YouTube video of yours and then um, understood how colonized my thinking was and why the lens is important those people that I was reading about in my academia were Western lens And they saw me in that light. Uh, But at the same time, it was uh, like yoga. You know, I was reading about mindfulness and all this great, you know, these thinkers and and, um, they were being followed. And so much interest at university doing mindfulness. And I thought, no, wait a minute. this is all uh, the, the Atmic knowledge. And that's what I got from when I read Being Different is this idea about who has the Adhikar to speak for this knowledge <laughs> and your brilliant ideas on digestion, Western universalism, utian theory. I was jumping up and down about 80 pages of my dissertation is on your work. And, um, you know, it was so powerful that my my examining committee, which had very senior uh, um, professors who were distinguished professors and they couldn't question it. I went on and on talking about you and how brilliant the, how I could make sense of indigenous knowledge being at the root of um, all this thing that they were working on, and I went on and on, they could not, they could not challenge it, and they had to allow it to go in. And I think it's the first dissertation in a Western university that devotes so much of uh, uh, of its work on your um, writings. So uh, I'll just stop there. I just feel that. Um, more, if there are more young people there, I think you should uh, please consider uh, using Rajivji's work. We need to get Rajivji's work in the academia. Uh, There's a huge, being different, I want to mention it was, there uh, there was a whole journal dedicated to critiquing uh, being different. Uh, you know There were people who were up in arms about it, but it generated, a, I think that was one of the questions that was the first question he asked, what was the impact? It has a huge impact. People have read this, but uh, I think more people, if you're young and you're in university, use his work in some way. We need to bring Rajiv Rajivji uh, into the academic field because uh, many people have used his work and without acknowledging, they are using his work in their own way. But we need to give the credit where it belongs to. And I'm going to end there. Thank you very much, Ajivji, for your kind mentorship. Thank
9: you. May I, Maud, uh, have a question for Ajivji?
1: Sir, PTR order actually follows. Uh, no problem. No
9: problem. No problem. There no are
1: questions, sir. Pile up ho yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, Sneha Ji uh, wanted to uh, ask very first, please, Sneha Ma'am, uh, you wanted to speak in two minutes. Yeah, thank you.
10: ji Ravi Ji, I actually wanted to express gratefulness to Rajiv Ji, is it okay? Yeah, yeah, so, now
1: we will set a time limit, ab because our session is going very so, two minute or three minute time cap, yeah, thank
10: you. ji sir, bilkul So, I just wanted want to say everyone that the only way we can pay a tribute to Rajivji is by awakening the secret of truth within you and I have been slowly reading this book like actually like a work of poetry after my daily meditation session and I just wanted to express that I love this beautiful line from the book that truth must be rediscovered and directly experienced by each person and I just love this line and I read it again and again so I used to also be a victim of uh, of, of the issues mentioned in the book. Like I used to read Gita, Bible, everything from a Western perspective. I used to read a lot of Nietzsche, Dostoevsky and, and all, but only when I started meditating that I, and, and I got familiarized myself with Vedic literature that I came to know the truth. So I just wanted to say that uh, uh, being a seeker of truth means there's this continuous self-monitoring, learning, adapting, evolving through raw, impartial observation. And what you learn, you put to action. The inauthentic seeker merely seems to confirm his own bias in all the books he reads and creates his own prison. You can't just copy the answers from the back of a math textbook. You have to do the math. And when one is firmly rooted in one's own being of self-awareness, once you are rooted in your being, you see the world as it is. Rose is a rose. Lily is a lily. You will not ask the fish to fly nor the bird to swim. So, the, this was my culmination and, and I, I'm, it's a beautiful experience reading these books. Thank you so much, sir, for having me express my thoughts on the book. Thank you. I'm done speaking.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Sneha Ji. So, whoever book or book book, express kar sakte hai. Okay. So, right now, next in the PTR
11: order, Anurag Bharat Ji. Yeah, thank you so much, and great to hear from you, Rajivji. It, it has been a pleasure, uh, as always, listening uh, to such an such an amazing wisdom. Uh, my, I have, I have really uh, uh, something you you kept touching upon was uh, the funding aspect because what we are doing here is is to, to be honest, we are claiming what's ours, right? We are, we are not. We are not restricting ourselves to the, to the theoretical uh, aspects and the experiences of our sages who have written such a wonderful uh, Vedas and, and scriptures for us and left behind a, a huge amount of legacy. What is in our hands now is to go and claim it in the in the style or in the modern uh, modern world or modern science through the modern ways of. Um, experimenting and and researching it, um, you kept talking about the funding aspect, and I kept poking myself. Sort of, what can we do, you know, as people? Uh, because today, you know, Indians are all over the world. They are doing very well. The way you are shaking their consciousness, the way you are shaking them from deep within themselves, I'm sure they will all come forward step forward not just from the world like from all of the world but also from from within india as well everybody is willing to take a step forward to make a difference you know to 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 bring bring the glory back to us so how can we do something and you kept talking about um the funding required by some big houses can you suggest some ideas as to how can we we can step forward to to make it happen, maybe sponsoring a bright student, sponsoring a bright researcher, or do we need to really look at a massive research and R&D funds? What kind of scale uh, do we look at and how can we make things happen within our control? Um, And the reason I'm asking is because going to the government, going to the bigger players obviously needs a lot of time and and legwork. But in our control, what is it that we can do? Um, My apologies if I asked too uh, too long of a question, but uh, I hope I hope, uh, you understand my gist. Uh, thank you very much, Rajiv Ji.
0: So, you know, the thing is that uh, 30 years ago when I started all this and uh, I gave up all my stuff, everything, done month, done. I was so convinced in five years, you know, a lot of other people who made good money will jump in and join me and we'll all work together. But it didn't happen. Uh, if they are funding something, they are funding politicians, which will get them some some limelight. Or they're funding maybe the kid will go to Harvard, Usko laga denge, kuch paisa de denge. I mean, they're, or they're funding something, they'll be on the board of some organization and it'll be good networking for their business deals. But they're not funding out of the dharma. If they're funding the dharma, uh, then they're funding political kind of ideas of, uh, you know, what is politically correct and what will uh, sensationalize and so on. But deep, deep research, they're not. So, uh, I don't want to spend any more of my time. I've done all my, in all these years, you know, I tried all I can. At this age, I couldn't care a damn. Be very honest with you. I couldn't care one damn. I don't want to go running around again, reviving. I have 100 PowerPoints for fundraising. Kisi ne ka slide mein kaiin. Kisi ne seminar dein. Kisi ne ki... Uh, uh, tell me how to raise X millions of dollars what you'll we'll do with it and uh, give me the what your plan is I tried it all mm-hmm. so I have all kind of power points if you're interested you can write to me offline I'll send you my k- business case and what we'll do and what is our priority A, B, C we are what how, how we want to develop e-learning courses how we want to develop uh, animation How we want well, all kind of stuff we've talked about I really don't want to go back into that it's a waste of time I just want at this stage to, to write my 20 books finish them off yeah. turn them over to Serious scholars, and then whatever happens, happens. I, I'm in some sense, uh, uh, you know, tired of uh, chasing, uh, uh, chasing uh, people who give throw a big it in front of you, ke aap I get about a hundred emails a day uh, offering me to help me out and advise me and all that. Uh, when you offer the ask, give them something concrete to do, they just like to talk and feel good. But when you, uh, and then people who are really well-meaning, they have no experience. So, you know, you go on training new people, educating new people, the same old thing for a hundred times, you know, what's the point of it? So I I really don't, want to be bothered with if somebody now it's up to others how to raise fund i don't want to get into that if somebody else can do it they can do it if they don't want to do it i am quite a happy guy pursuing my swadharma I am doing it because I feel enlightened, better knowledge I have. I, I'm I'm uh, feeling enriched. This is the great opportunity that uh, Bhagwan gave me, so I could do seva to my culture, and I'm very happy with that. Uh, and uh, those who want to come close to me and uh, they, and want to learn, be be a helper uh, in some kind of a project, uh, those that's a that's a great thing to do. But you know. Those days are gone. To dream up a big project, saying, "Okay, we'll make a think tank with uh, so much money raised, and we'll have a, we'll develop a Indian school of thought." Yeah, Swadeshi School of Thought. Ragini proposed so many times that we should develop a school of thought based on all these works that I've done. And this should become a curriculum and we, we need to turn it into course material. She was so good at that. We tried all that also. Uh, we've tried many, many ways, but it's very difficult to take money out of Indians It's for, in, for a selfless cause. Uh, CSR money, guess how much we got out of it so far? Zero. Zero. We, we had we talked to the presentations to the head of HR in, uh, in uh, Tata's, we, we, you name it. I mean, we've gone through all this stuff before. And it's a useless thing. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry to tell you that. Uh, and I don't want to cheapen myself. I don't want to become a politician. I don't want to suck up, to go chasing these guys around. Uh, I tried that also. Uh, but I'm not cut out for that. So I am actually very discouraged about this whole funding shunning business. Uh, within luckily luckily i don't need anything for myself i am very well settled i have a good house good lifestyle i live well uh, and, and we have a foundation with a decent endowment we can uh, keep a small team busy We cannot do big projects. We cannot take on GPT-3, which has got Google and which has got uh, Microsoft. They've acquired it with a billion dollars right now. And there are similar projects, Google, Brain. And the Chinese have developed two or three of these, uh, you know, language uh, machines uh, that understand human language and all that. Uh, So there are, I would say, 10 major players in the world. India doesn't have any such thing on the table. Uh, I have unique ideas, unique ideas where how we can bring this Vedic stuff into the AI but i don't I don't have the uh, desire to go running around looking for funds. I mean, this is sad. it may sound cynical, but there are reasons for it. i've I've tried it so many times. Uh, you will be surprised uh, when I look at my a folder which says uh, funding proposals. I was just looking at it some days ago. There is one 2014 seminar I gave in Bangalore because one guy said that he's going to bring in top uh, thinkers, and industrialists and I should give a presentation. presentation And then there's a 2001 proposal I gave. Then there's a 1990s May. And all Every few years I've brushed up a, a proposal with our background, the situation, what the need of the marketplace is. I'm a corporate trained guy. Believe me, I'm, I, I know how to present. I know how to make a business case. Uh, I, I, I And I've used all that skill for this. But you know, the point is there is some energy developed a few people get very energized, and they build a they build a team. Then they say, okay, everybody should put in this much. So all of that gets started, but then it gets it falls apart. So, so because at the end of the day, there is nothing in it for them, for their children, nothing, no selfish goal they can look out, look,
3: uh,
0: get out of it. So that's the situation you know simple things forget big things uh, when we did uh, history of indian science and technology we wanted to do so many volumes but we stopped after 14 because we couldn't i mean 14 i funded but uh, each was each was taking a scholar full time three years so it was a lot of money so after 14 of them i tried to get sponsorship like for example steel so i thought mythyl steel will will fund it and he will give a, thousands of copies of it to all his shareholders. To all his, uh, it'll be good PR that he's sponsoring the history of Indian steel. I thought uh, TISCO, Tata Iron and Steel will do it. I mean, I, I went to all the steel valas in India to show them that the steel is of Indian origin. It is Indian R&D. Uh, I, I've written the history of steel, the history of iron. Yeah, about two three volumes we have on, on that. Then we have metallurgy. I thought that the entire metallurgy set of books, and we are not talking about. Crores, you know, we, we, we are very frugal with a little bit of money. We produce home so much. I thought they'll put their name on it. They'll get the publishing rights. And I don't want any one penny out of it. But at least they'll make thousands of copies and give them to all the libraries. And they can turn it into videos. They can turn documentaries. I thought they will take on this project. But these people don't, don't do that. I thought that... Uh, the history of mathematics, which we did a lot of work in. I thought that all these computer type people uh, who made a ton of money, they would like to promote uh, that uh, the, the Indian origin of mathematics and all that. Why the hell haven't they done it? So, you know, I'm sick of it. Then all this biology, biological, life sciences, botany, all the kind of research we did in that. I thought that the pharma people, th- th- it's their industry, they should be funding it. So the ideas are numerous. The projects are numerous. But, you know, we do not have that philanthropic big generosity. And this is not just my problem. When the when the I'm not a big fan of Bill Gates, but when he came and Warren Buffett, they came to India and they, they hobnob with all the billionaires and they said that you guys should also be funding philanthropy like we do. Hamarinognik. <laughs> CSR is a sham. CSR is, you know, the owner's wife will start some kind of an NGO to or CSR will be where it will promote the welfare of their own labors, laborers and their workers. So it's more like a corporate PR for themselves. It's always got got some kind of an agenda. Uh, you know, something totally disconnected, totally arm's length. They're not able to uh, see the merit in that. So, since, it, so for, you know, I can't take on every battle. Changing the mindset of the Indians who have got the wealth, changing their mindset and their mentality towards something different is not my job now anymore. And then you could say, why not do crowdfunding? You know, everybody, people tell me, okay, uh, a billion people will give uh, one pesa each, then it will come to so many rupees a day. Oh, come on, it's just good uh, fantasy to think like that. Or, you know, what you need, sir, you need uh, uh, one lakh people to give 10 rupees each. And it's not, I mean, I can do all that mathematics myself, but it doesn't work. Uh, let me just tell you there is, we are putting up videos, and every video has a donate button. If you want, just click the donate button, put any amount money you want. You can put it in dollars if you're in the U.S. You can put it in rupees if you're in India. It's as simple as that. I don't really need to do anything more because the mechanism exists. We have a tax deduction in the U.S., 100% tax deduction if you give a donation. And we have this 12A, 80G government clearance in India, which is, means that you get a tax write-off. So all the mechanisms exist. There is no new work needed from our site. If somebody wants to help, they can help. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I hope Anurag ji aapko answers mil gayong gayong And, uh, we have Pandit ji. Yeah. Yeah. We have Pandit ji with us. Bhot deersay hamar sa jude. And, uh, Shati ji, uh, we wanted to contact you for your book. Jase ham club me book discussion ko continue karra hai. So, uh, it will be an, again, honor for us. Agar aap hamar club me fer aate with your, uh, book. And if you want to add comment, please. Satish, sir.
12: Thank you. Pranamji, Namaskarji, and Ram, and, uh, Namaskar. Jashri, thank you for your generous uh, invitation. I'm at your disposal, at your discretion. Let me know, and I shall happily participate. Thank you. Um, I would like to just speak on, I will take the temerity and uh, opportunity to speak on behalf of Rajivji, and afterwards, I hope that he will. Um, be in agreement at least if not uh, if i don't uh, earn his approval but here's what i i, I want to just share with everybody um so when i started my uh, yoga bhyas my guruji said to me it's going to take 12 years to get you to a stage where you can then really start your journey and so i asked him why 12 and he said 11 years to beat you into a shape that you can actually be fit for receiving a decent level of understanding, a decent level of ability and uh, a decent level of practice. And whenever I uh, see the work that Rajivji has done, then I realize that the work that he has given to us is of a similar caliber. It takes a significant amount of personal investment to actually appreciate and understand the value of what is being given to us. You know, in in many senses, the, the river of dharma was... Jammed. It was like a log jam, which has been there for a long time and frustration and tension has been building up. The world didn't make sense to us. Why? We didn't really know, as Raghunji so so, um, eloquently put. And I was experiencing the same sort of things in my view of the world here in the, the United Kingdom. What Rajivji's book, Being Different, did is it plucked out so many of those logs which were causing the log jam that my understanding in this space began to flow. And that is a huge, huge contribution. And we should be very, very grateful and supportive of everything that G has done. And I know that his work prevents him from actually demanding and requiring the level of respect and appreciation that uh, is due to him. That was one thing I wanted to to say. The second thing I wanted to say is that a lot of people get in touch with me. They know that I've worked with Rajivji in the past and I was honoured to do so and given the opportunity in the future, I'll be honoured to do so again. And many of them say to me that Rajivji is arrogant. He's aggressive. He's angry. He shouts. He pushes people. He's not easy to work with, etc., etc., etc. What they don't understand is that it takes a person who really cares to actually be emotionally involved in wanting you to do something which is good for you and good for everybody else you know we have an old tradition that our parents love us but they also they're the ones who clip us around the ear they're the ones who shout and they're the ones who push and try and make us do something that perhaps we're not ready for and they do it because they genuinely care And so I would say to everybody who is possibly listening, especially the youngsters in the audience, I have a philosophy. Unless you do something more than the person in front of you, you have no right to actually offer even the slightest criticism, nor should you be an impediment. Until you've exceeded the work of the person in front of you, you should be a supporter and an appreciator. And even when their words to you may seem harsh, you should appreciate the passion and the desire for your well-being that often flows behind it. So Rajivji, thank you very much. And I really look forward to being a part of your ongoing journey. Being different put so many pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together for me, especially the whole section about the European interventions in our own journey. And I look forward to sharing that uh, being different with everybody else who I come across. Ji, Jashli So thank you for that. Uh, Where
0: I'm at in my own journey, is not, uh, at this stage, it makes no sense for me to build an institution. In fact, I want to turn over these institutions to successors. So I'm more interested in, you know, let's get a team. I'll turn over all the institution running. They can raise the funds. They can do all the projects. They can do all that. I want to retire from institutional work to personal sadhana and writing books and being a, being a speaker and teacher of my own discoveries and and so on. So that is my forte. That is where I have made the biggest impact. Uh, and that is where I have a lot more work to do. So, rather, so I think other people should be the institution builders, figure out what the budget, how to get it and how to, you know, all that kind of a uh, general management CEO role, I should not have. I I, I want to actually divest myself. In fact, this morning before this conference call was another conference call with my team where I made an announcement that I actually want you guys to take over and you, you have to decide what you want to do with it. You don't even need to have my name on these channels. You can turn it into a some other kind of a name. Put somebody else's there. Uh, get someone else in charge. I just want to produce new knowledge. I, I have so much. I have so much understanding and insight into the Vedic knowledge and how it applies for today and for the future. I want to get that out, and 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 that means I'm I'm more like an R and D guy. I'm more like a thinker. Uh, I, I'm not a I'm not a person who is uh, uh, interested in uh, in uh, 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 you know building a corporate entity. I used to be a corporate guy in my career. Uh, then I, uh, for, for large companies, I did very well. Then I started building my own own uh, entrepreneurial ventures. I did very well in that. And then when I turned to the cause of uh, Dharma, uh, I, I built, a, built a, uh, an institution. And this institution has produced a lot of good work. But at some point in time, I have to decide, you know, how long do I want to keep being CEO and president and running around and, uh, you know, filing tax returns and uh, doing audits and uh, raising funds, budgets, meetings, this and that, all that kind of stuff. I really should not be doing. And so I'm happy to turn this over. If there is a, if there are legitimate offers, serious people, experienced people who want to come together, make a team and come to me and say, uh, come to say uh, that, listen, we'll take over all the administrative side. Uh, We'll take, we'll worry about where the funds will come from. And by the way, we are quite, quite okay in terms of endowment. We have a very decent endowment. So the current level of expenses, we can continue indefinitely. There is no problem. It's just that taking on a very major project like this uh, language machine that I'm talking about, the AI machine, the AI brain, uh, the Vedic brain, those are huge projects. And those require institutional builder type people, which I don't want to be at, at this stage in my life. It would be foolish for a guy at my stage to have ambitions to build new things of that sort. At, at, you know, by now, I should have turned these things over to young people. Mentor them. turn, Give them the freedom to do whatever they want with it. Turn over. I just want to finish the work that I already started because I gave commitments to myself, to my guru, uh, that these are things I will do. I don't like to leave things unfinished. So I, I have a focus uh, and, and that's the focus I want to stick to. And other things, other people should do. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you so
1: much, sir, for giving so much insa- insight for today's session. I would ask sir, ki, how much time you be session mein? because we already exceeded the timeline and
0: your time is very important, we all know. Yes. No, I think you can, we, we can have a few more, few more, let's say two, three more uh, questions and then we can wrap up. Okay. Okay. So uh, Madhavji, you are next
1: in the PGR order. Yeah. So thank
13: you, Raviji. So thank you, Raji, sir, for coming here. It's an honor for me to share the stage with such an eminent and celebrated personality like you. And, you know, I've been into your room so many times, but this is the first time I'm getting the opportunity to interact with you. So I'm very, very happy that finally I got a chance to interact. Sir, I have three questions I want to ask you. My first question is because I know you have talked about in your book also and on other platforms that uh, there is no sameness between the Sanatana Dharma and the Vedic... uh, scriptures and the index but my question is that do you think there is a similarity between the concept of pitra dosh and the western concept of transmission of sins through biological reproduction number one number two sir my second question is that do you find some similarity between the dvaita vedanta in india and the judo christian narrative of separation between gods and humans And my last question is, sir, like you rightly said, and I totally agree with each and every word you said about the political class, about the corporate PR. I agree with everything you said, and I don't have words to show that how much I agree with you. My last question is, sir, how do we protect our dharma from the Western narratives and invasion in this age of globalization? Because our dharma is very open. And that's the primary reason which why it becomes very vulnerable to Western cultures. So we as students, and we as you know working professionals, and we as a whole, how can we protect our dharma at the micro level and both at the macro level? Thank you, sir.
0: So you know, the, the very very good question. These are the kind of questions that I really try on. You know, love to answer. And thank you for them. So the first one is uh, whether whether Uh, because the sin is transmitted uh, biologically, you know, whether we can uh, use uh, the same concept in our metaphysics. Yes, we do have uh, certain aspects are are about, uh, uh, we do talk about, uh, you know, ancestral influences on us, which is kind of biological and DNA. But, you know, the big difference, huge big difference is that the larger than life, huge, massive, uh, uh, you know, your know, concept of uh, our tradition, which they don't have, is karma theory, and karma theory is the foundation of reincarnation and rebirth. So the, your karma, Rajiv's karma, will be in my next jhanam, not my children. It's not biological offspring that will get that, but I, in my next uh, janam which could be in anywhere, in any kind of body. And my starting point in this life, my prarab came from my past karma, not my father's karma or mother's karma. So the biological transmission is a different idea than the karmic transmission. The karmic transmission through reincarnation as my successor. So a body, uh, the body n, uh, you know, does karma, and then the reincarnated version is n plus one. Uh, it is not the. Child, children of N, biological children of N, that inherit that. But the next life of uh, N. So for us, the 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 jeevatma's journey is through reincarnation. For them, because there is no reincarnation. After this, you go to eternal heaven or hell. There you are done, and there is no other chance. You you don't uh, you don't come back. There is no reincarnation. Absence of reincarnation. Means that their entire, that the the whole thing goes biologically only, and this is a very big problem. uh, You know, as you see, what Adam and Eve did, uh, some sin they did, and so God got angry and uh, declared eternal damnation for all their progeny. Which means, since everybody is born biologically out of Adam and Eve, according to them, therefore everybody is born sinner. So you are born a sinner. So when they come to you and they ask, "Have you have you been saved?" I tell them, "I was never." sinner to begin with, I was never convicted. I mean what what do you mean? So the basic premise of there uh, is, is, does not fit our metaphysics. so I would not uh, I would while we have certain elements of that, like you pointed out, it is not the total picture for us, while for them it is the total picture. For them, if they introduce the idea of reincarnation you know, as, as the most important thing, because karma gets transmitted that way, their entire system will fall apart. Then there is no original sin that I have or you have, because we are Adam and Eve, whatever they did, they did. That's their problem. Uh, but it's not my problem. I'm only suffering or I'm only benefiting from my karma in a previous life, which has nothing to do with biological stuff. This, this business of Biological transmission versus, uh, you know, the the Jeeva Atma being born again in a new body is very different. And that I think we should not uh, mix up. What was your second question again?
13: Sir, my second question was, do you find similarity between the Dvaita Vedanta and the Judo-Christian narrative of separation between gods and humans?
0: Yeah, Okay. So uh, there are several differences. One is, theirs is history centric. Uh, ours is not history-centric and you can read this is one of the chapters, I don't know, chapter 2 or something like that in this book. But I think uh, the nature of the separation is different. Uh, you go to Vishishtadvaith or Dvaith, you will find that the nature of the relationship between the Atma and the Parabatma is different, even the dualistic, different than the the idea of judeo Christian. Because, you know, in their case, uh, the the supreme being is not present in the world. The world is a matter and does not have divinity in it, whereas for us, so they could not accommodate idea of a sacred river and a sacred mountain and a sacred tree and these kind of things. And if you bring a devata, you you do pran pratishta and uh, this is a murti which has a devata uh, and you do some yagna and you are invoking the devata. The deva comes in front of you and you do that puja. For them, all of this stuff is complete nonsense. It's idolatry. It has been banned. So you know you have to understand the nature of our duality. We call it duality, but it is it is not in the same alienation. It is not that the devatas and the divinity stays outside the cosmos always and not allowed to come in. And if we if we bring the the if we claim that the devatas are here in our mandir, the devatas are living there, uh, it, then then we don't have to be afraid of idolatry. But whereas for them it is a sin. It is a huge uh, violation of the. Ten Commandments because it says you cannot make I- idols. So all the, the 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 existence of idolatry is a very powerful weapon for them because they could go around de- demolishing idols of Native Americans. They could de- demolish the idols of pagans and Muslims could come and de- demolish all the idols and uh, take all the gold away. So it was a very important political, military, economic, uh, you know, benefit for them to uh, have this kind of theory. We never had this kind of theory. So the, the existence of divinity within the cosmos while the the, the uh, sagun while, while nirgun brahm is, uh, is unchanged while the absolute is unchanged uh, there is the parmartika and the vevarika the parmartika is where the divine is there and it's a different realm and the vevarika is where in this world but it's also divine there is also divinity in the world so there is god outside the world there's god as the world and in the world this is too big, A too profound an idea for them. Dualism of uh, my relationship with the divine may be dualistic in some systems, but those systems don't deny the existence of the divine in the world. So that that reason makes it difficult for us to compare. Uh, and we, if you we fall in the trap, like... Uh, Francis Clooney wants us to. He's a great man, a good man for his side. He's a Jesuit guy and he's done great work for his team. And I respect him for that. And we are friends. We respect each other. He understands me, by the way. He understands the book being different. Better than most Indians do. Most Hindus do. In fact, he talked to me so many times. He's inviting me to have talks about it. And he sends copies to Christians and asks them to read it and respond to it because he's very impressed by it. But he, in his books, has... Gone too far, and compared the dualistic models, our dualistic models, with their dualistic models, and I don't go that far. I, I, I would, I would uh, discourage that. I think, with all due respects to them, uh, their dualism is of an entirely different kind. It has different social cap- implications, political implications, uh, how you pray, what is who you are praying to, than ours. The, when they pray in a church, the the there is no such thing as a pran pratishtha. That is. Very strange, you know. There is no such thing as a pran pratishta, so you do not have that same entity like we do. When we do pran pratishta, the devata is living there. Then you know we we, we look after this devata. We uh, we the devata has a lifestyle. The devata de- eats. The devata wears changes clothes, takes a bath. It we. It, it's an opportunity for us to commune to have a very intimate relationship with the divine in form, in physical form, in right in front of us. This kind of a thing is not available to them. Because this is banned as idolatry, So that's the, the thing. The third was, what was the question, please?
13: So I was asking that in this age of globalization, how can we protect our dharma? Because our dharma is open. It talks about inclusion and on exclusion. So it makes us very susceptible to and vulnerable to Western culture and narrative. So at a micro level and both at the macro level, what can we do to protect the dharma?
0: So, you know, uh, there was an age before... Uh, invasions during which the our dharma flourished, so it did not develop a defensive mechanism, a defensive offense. Uh, but then, you know, then you find in the in the itihas, you do find uh, uh, aggression. You find aggression against Ravan by the by the, the you know by the Avatar, and you do find uh, Sri Krishna's teachings that you have to do all this to the the, the, the you know the, the 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 Koros. So we are not a passive religion. Therefore, we've had a background of uh, fighting back, and we we somehow lost it. Uh, as for but today, what has happened is there is a lot of institutionalization of uh, religions, but ours is not unified in an institutional sense. I'm not. I'm not interested in homogenizing all the worship into one one deity and one method of puja, only one style and all that. I don't think we should ever do that because that'll destroy our diversity. But I think that as an insti- at the institutional level of uh, how to deal with threats, how to deal with outsiders, we need to do that. Now Swami Dayanand Saraswati, who's no more, started the Hindu Dharma Charya Sabha, and he brought me in as the, his scholar. So he, I was always at his. Uh, mercy to, uh, uh, sorry, I was always at his back and call, I should say. I was always at his back and call, always available to him to uh, help in any capacity. And he utilized that. And so we built this uh, Hindu dharma, Acharya Sabha, with his leadership uh, as a way to bring together hundreds of uh, Hindu organizations from Shankaracharyas to all kinds of other gurus. And this was very successful for, during that period, we had a collective posture on so many things, whether it's conversion or whatever. And this was internationally, it was not just in India. Uh, And so there was a mechanism to defend ourselves. There was a mechanism that if Swamiji put out a certain, uh, uh, you know, press release or he put out a certain position paper on something, it was considered you know, solid that everybody will follow. But after he left, uh, his successors kind of let that thing wander, let that thing fall apart. There is no functioning Hindu dharma, Charya Sabha. It's sort of not clear who's in charge. Certainly, I don't ever hear from them. I try to contact them. I try to initiate that some we should continue those activities, never heard back from them. So, you know, uh, we have a problem that once we, once we have a leader like Swamiji, who does create such a mechanism, you know, others should continue after him. But we haven't done that. So that kind of a uh, spiritual guru-based unified front, we don't have. This is true. The super gurus uh, are into, they're building, each of them has a multinational. They're making a lot of money. They're doing very well. And they're looking after their own business. They're looking after their own multinational corporate entity. And they will defend it. You go and fight and uh, criticize uh, uh, you know, any of these super gurus, they'll, they'll fight back. But they're not out there on the world stage defending the dharma per se. beyond aren't just giving talks and so on. Right now, we have this uh, big thing going on with the, with the Rutgers University, this whole Hindutva conference they're doing on 9-11. Where are the super gurus in there? Why why haven't super guru, number one, picked up the call, pick up the phone and talked to 10 others said, okay, let's all unite. And we'll put out a position paper, we'll write to all these people, we'll condemn it, we'll write to all the universities. I mean, it would it would make a difference. So when you're talking about uh, defending ourselves, you have to hold accountable those people who've got the resources, they've got the money, they've got lakhs of followers, they've got huge credibility, adhikar, they've got all that. And you have to say, well, why are they not doing any of this? Then you can say... The, Culture Ministry has a responsibility. The Indian Council of Cultural Relations, which is part of Ministry of External Affairs, they have a responsibility. So when you look at existing institutions, rather than saying, okay, Rajiv should make a new institution or he should raise some funds and all that. I mean, I've tried all that. But the point is that existing institutions are there and they have the money. Why aren't they coming together and and sponsoring these kind of activities? And they should be coming together and saying, Rajiv, you please do this AI project for us. It will be great for us. Uh, We'll sponsor it and fund it. And, you know, we will come together, do all the uh, work required for administration and, and funding and politically protecting you. And you just go and do the technical work. And that would be fantastic. So, similarly... Uh, when there is an attack on our tradition and uh, Pandit uh, Satish Sharma is involved at the frontiers of this, uh, you know, f- responding to this attack and many of you are also involved. But it's an individual doing, individual here, individual there. Uh, you should also ask him, like, why, why is it that the big shots of our tradition who enjoy so much limelight, who got so many awards and rewards and whatnot, showered with uh, funding also. Why are they not at the frontiers? You know, why Why individual like him, me and all that having to do all this running around? We we are doing it because it's swadharma. We are doing it because it's, I should do it for my own, you know, for my own. Uh, this is good karma for me. I'm doing it. I'll keep doing it. But the there is a certain expectation that we ought to raise. We have to have this expectation on the part of existing, uni- existing institutions. So I would say the lack of performance of Hindu institutions of various kinds uh, in their own capacity and especially as unified entity is a major cause of the things we are having. The solution is not that uh, some individuals here and there ought to just take on because the against us are mighty forces. Do you know the think tanks that are out there? Do you know the seminaries that are out there? Do you know the funding mechanisms that are out there? The foundations that are all these big foundations that are out there? Uh, that are in Western countries. Do you know the breaking India forces, what deep pockets they are funded by? It is not an easy job for individuals. And we we are always trying to solve problems as individuals when we are against enemies that are huge institutions. So it's like, you know, if you were attacked by a big army. And all you have is a bunch of volunteers who got, somebody's got a gun and somebody's got bows and arrows and somebody's got, uh, you know, mantra that he'll chant. And, you know, we got all kind of different uh, miscellaneous people and we've tried to all come together, do our best. But you are not going to be a match to a major army with modern weapons. And that's the global warfare today. The the Kurukshetra, the intellectual Kurukshetra that we are in is a is a geopolitical Kurukshetra where there is mighty forces and it is not possible for us. To be a serious player, unless we are highly organized institutionally, that's that has to be. You have to shake up our people. It requires pointing fingers. It requires getting angry. It requires calling you know, calling a spade a spade. Uh, no pampering. You, we can. We don't have time left to be goody goody guys and pampering. You have to say why didn't Guru X stand up when this happened? Why not? You have to say that. Thank you uh, uh sabke liye ek
1: dena Madhav is just 18, 18 at and what? that's how yeah that's how i allowed him to speak uh, uh, no, ask three questions like sir very yeah, good. Yeah. No, so at, very yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Madhav, at a such a
1: nice young day. age sir he had a decolonized mind uh, i am although 28 but i don't Take proud in it, but he's eighteen. He's no, but Ravi, ten Ravi, year Ravi,
0: younger than. No, Ravi, you've done exceedingly well. I'm so impressed by your maturity, by the way you conducted this, the the intensity, the the seriousness with which you're taking this issue. I'm I'm extremely impressed. I mean, this is then you know if there's people like you, then there's hope for us. Exactly. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. And Anupji's question hai. he has a request, so that's why Shoumiya ji ma'am, you have. I'm coming. Ji has a request. Just a small request. Anupji,
14: please. Yeah, th- uh, thank you, Ravi. Uh, I request that uh, uh, I'm just uh, I'm learning game development in Unity game engine, and I'm in the last phase of uh, this course. It was some uh, two or three months uh, long course, and I took it after I saw some of uh, Rajiv video uh, after the uh, after he re- released this AI book. So, uh, should I uh, or can I be a part of the Uh, Moonshot project that he talks about and the Lagan team that he was talking in in that uh, uh, beer biceps uh, guy podcast
0: yeah I mean you can apply you can write to us privately we have a volunteers uh, we have a we have something called volunteer.infinity volunteer without an s just single volunteer.infinity infinity at gmail.com and then there's a team that looks at all volunteer offers and filters them scans them put assigns them to uh, various assignments and see who who can do what so you can you can uh, apply to that uh, and uh, they'll give you some work to do to get you started and uh, evaluate you and uh, you can evaluate them and then we can go further and further uh, as things develop so that is our volunteer mechanism and I, i like your thought that, uh, that that you were inspired by some of our work and you actually took some courses which is great because you actually done something uh, you know when people when people actually do something and not just sort of talk about it or tell us what we ought to do we are very impressed with that we need people like that so thank you very much
14: yes sir actually uh, I wrote to uh, to you on uh, Rajiv at uh, 2007 gmail.com and after that uh, it is uh, some two months Ago. And Divya replied, she said that uh, uh, you have to uh, uh, write uh, on uh, Intellectual Kshatriya portal. But deliberately at that time I did not respond. I thought that I need to some do some homework because I really badly wanted to go in that team. So I uh, learned this game development thing from a, sc- a scratch because I was following you on Twitter and you were repeatedly hinting that Facebook is going to launch this VR thing. So, I just uh, uh, just uh, in, in myself, uh, I just in myself. I took that course and uh, do you think should I proceed with writing articles uh, sure. on that forum? Yeah, yeah I have an article similarity see, of Mario, game character Mario versus Morons. This yeah, is the article that yeah. I am writing.
0: Excellent. You should write it. So, you see, she's also a young person. She's maybe 26, 27 years old. And so, she's managing all the youth volunteers, you know, who are very young people. And so, we've given her this job and she's very talented. Uh, and so, uh, there are so many ways you can get involved. And so if she suggested you write an article. The point is that the act of writing an article uh, on what you've learned in the course, how it applies to the knowledge that you picked up from our work. It's, the important thing is, firstly, it, you, you do the karma. It, it, there is some tapasya required in writing a book, in writing, a, writing an article. Uh, and, and the fact that you are willing to take the time is good. And differentiate you from all the people who are not willing to do anything. Uh, uh, then you're sticking your neck out. You're going to write an article. It's going to go in the public. And you're going to make sure it's a well-written article. You can defend it. And that, And then when when people give some feedback, uh, you'll be able to respond to it. Uh, and then it'll build you some confidence. You know. So then, then you go the next step. Uh, you, you get some feedback. You write a bigger article. Uh, then maybe she'll invite you to be in some kind of a, you know, panel discussion. So that is how you work your way up. And, and uh, so since you have the sincere, uh, uh, you know, since you already wrote to us, we followed it and, and our volunteer team has connected with you and given you a path, you should take it up. And I think you'll do well.
14: And uh, meanwhile, I, uh, should I continue this uh, learning game development?
0: Yes, game development is a very interesting. Uh, you see, these there are several things about games uh, that uh, apply to our our tradition. One is uh, one is that game is a way to convey very subtle messages, subtle subtle uh, biases that uh, we ought to make sure that these are in our favor and not against us, because a game is sort of like an entertainment way, but it's not neutral to values. It it conveys certain values also in the game. Second is that you learn gamification, and AI is a AI is being used to gamify society, gamify behavior, gamify political ideas, gamify uh, you know converting you to a different faith or making you vote in a certain way. The gamification of society using machines, machine learning is a very big deal. So you're building a foundation and you're a young kid and this will be very useful to you because you've got decades and decades ahead of you. So this knowledge of Vedic stuff that we are giving and the knowledge of uh, gaming that you are learning on your own will all get combined one day and, and you'll be ahead of most people because you started at such a young age and you have a you have a very curious mind and you're taking initiatives, which I can tell. This is fantastic. So, I would definitely
14: encourage you. Uh, actually, sir, I, I just turned 26. I took, I think, a little bit late. <laughs> That's okay. 26 is still one third of my age
0: or almost. So, I, I, I consider you still a Uh, you know, still a very young person. Uh, So you have a long way ahead. And the lifespan for young your generation is 100. That's your lifespan. That's the expected lifespan with all the medical breakthroughs. So you have a long way ahead. And you should invest in this because there is nothing more valuable and more satisfying than having your Swadharma aligned with the the whole cosmic yagna. And the cosmic yagna is to take our Vedic ideas, take the whole idea of the Rashtra as a kind of a collective a collective mechanism for moving the Vedic ideas forward, to take all this stuff uh, a, 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 as part of your to- overall commitment to be aligned with it and invest everything you have, your Tan, Man, Dhan, whatever it is uh, in, in this way. So since you are pursuing it to the best of your ability at this stage, I congratulate you.
14: Yeah, thank you, sir.
13: Sir, thank you thank, thank you
1: maधव No, maधव ji let uh, let others who okay, yeah, waiting kia yeah, right. yeah yeah i i main samajh raha hu aap uh, aapko bahut din baad so i appreciate that no, so Swamia, so, ma'am yeah soumya ma'am uh, now we are restricting to only one questions just uh, ek question Haan. Yeah.
14: Haan, namaste uh, rajiv we are i'm so honored to be sharing the stage with you uh, I run a school in Bangalore, and my uh, question is the new education policy. Uh, do you think it will make a vast difference? Because we have learnt all distorted history and we have never learnt the Vedas in the right way. Do you think it will make a, a difference now in the future? Well,
0: I think it's certainly a step in the right direction. It's certainly, uh, you know, decl- de- sort of decluttering the teaching of history and all these things and trying to move it forward. I I, I would like to see a lot more happen, but I, I, you know, at least it's a step in the right direction. It's also politically very courageous. They've done it. Uh, so now, now that they've done it, they can keep adding to it and keep improving it. The challenge is, you know, you know how many lack teachers have to be retrained? Lacks of teachers, not just thousands of teachers, but lacks of teachers all over the place in so many languages, Uh, So, so much material has to be written and produced in many languages and multi-language, multimedia, video material, online material, uh, games, uh, you know, various uh, types of uh, this virtual reality, augmented reality as ways of delivering this knowledge. This is a very massive job. And it is not just, uh, you know, enough to just put a policy and feel very happy about it. This is, it requires, uh, this is like developing a, uh, you know, a space shuttle or something. It's like that kind of project. It will take uh, many, many resources and you need exceedingly bright people uh, in charge of it. That's my concern is the implementation uh, of this, uh, of, of such a big policy. And there are there are a lot of issues also I have with it. I don't want to sort of discuss those now. But because that'll, that nitpicking I, I have done in other forums, uh, I have some issues with the way they are uh, approaching it. Uh, for instance, Sanskrit, it should be a language of gyan and knowledge, scientific knowledge, not just a language that, you know, you have small talk but scientific knowledge, scientific research through through Sanskrit. So there are a lot of things that I don't find happening. But, you know, one can look at the glass as half full or half empty. I, I, I can certainly tell them a lot more things that ought to be done. But what they have done so far deserves to be encouraged. Now the question is how well can we implement it? And that remains to be seen.
14: Uh, thank you so much. And Karnataka is the first one to implement it. And how do you think we can uh, motivate the youth to learn about our dharma?
0: So, you know, this comes from parents. Traditionally in our society, it comes from uh, media influences that are not very good nowadays. Uh, You know, so many kids, they go online and the kind of material they get. And the algorithms are not uh, necessarily favoring uh, this stuff. For instance, uh, uh, I'm going to do a uh, multi-series on uh, uh, alternate healing for COVID, which is being blocked. I've already been told by uh, YouTube that if you put this up, we block you now who are they to decide you know why don't the consumer decide whether they want one method of treatment or another method of treatment i have info, i have interviewed uh, some westerners some uh, some american top name heavy weights in medical research with tremendous credentials and uh, and some british people and and uh, they 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 are all aware of uh, they have used some treatments that are not allowed by who there are not that the pharmaceuticals don't want because this will mean that they cannot sell their the, their pharmaceutical products anymore. So if there's no money in it, the people don't want it. Now, that kind of a topic, why is it that the social media won't allow it? You know, because there's a whole conspiracy against this kind of thinking. So you have to be suspicious also of, uh, uh, you know, the what kind of discourse is allowed, what kind of discourse is not allowed. And you got to be able to resist it. I am doing my best. I will certainly get a lot of, uh, uh, you know, anger coming at me. But kind of I'm used to it. So I'm going to put these things up in the next uh, few weeks. And there are many other things also that uh, I want to, uh, uh, to provoke people. People should be able to think freely. Whether they are right or wrong, they have a right to say it. And others can disagree. Uh, And the the adjudication of what you are saying, is it good, right, wrong, is not up to Mark Zuckerberg or other people like that to decide. Because the moment we let them control our discourse, we become colonized. And sadly, that has happened. That is the problem I have. Uh, Thank
14: you so much, uh, Rajivji. Thank you so much, Raviji.
0: Welcome. Welcome, ma'am.
1: So next in the PTR order, Isneha Sisji. Please. Yes, and be specific uh, to one question. Yeah, thank you.
13: Yes, thank you, Raviji. And uh, it's an honor to speak with you, Rajiv, sir. Sir, so my uh, primary question uh, uh, is around the Purva Paksha. Now, uh, we, we have done put, put Purva Paksha for Dharmic religions uh, from ancient times, that has been done. And you have pointed it out, out as well. Sir, has there been any Purva Paksha done of uh, the Abrahamic religions from our end, uh, Islam and Christianity? And... Uh, if not like are there any efforts that are going on are you aware with what are the risks associated with it uh, can you please expand on that sir
0: so so we are discussing the book being different which is a which is a pura faksha of uh, you know certainly judeo christianity not islam but it is a pura faksha of judeo christianity and you should read it uh, carefully to see uh, what is the difference between integral and synthetic unity what difference between yoga and history scientism i think the the critique of the Western religions as history-centric is a very big breakthrough, in my opinion. I, I feel very strong about it. Uh, so, yes, we, I, I, I've been doing my own Purva Paksha, More needs to be done. Islam, we have not done uh, you know, enough good purvapaksha. but now it is being done. In the last uh, few years, more and more people have started doing it. Uh, Westerners are doing Purva Paksha of uh, Islam. It needs to be done. And we need to be courageous and say, hey, listen, you've been... To calling us kafirs and characterizing us and profiling us and all sorts of people are taking shot, pot shots at our religion and, you know, it's, we have the same right to do. And this is not, this is not uh, something called Islamophobia. It's, it's like, what are my reasons for critiquing and, and rejecting a certain point of view? I have a right to do that. And I have a, 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 you cannot say that, uh, Islam can only be evaluated by Muslims, that outsiders don't have a right. Because if that was the case, you should apply the same logic to our tradition also. But why is our tradition being openly evaluated by everybody? We should have the same right towards you. We have to make that case. And, you know, the Indian courts and the Indian laws that, you know, somebody you've hurt somebody's feelings and you can get FIR. I don't believe that that makes any sense. I mean, you have to attack, you have to you have to tackle. This very strange laws that says that uh, you dare not criticize somebody's, uh, you know, point of view, because if you criticize it, he'll be hurt. And, uh, you know, then then you'll be in trouble. That's kind of denying one's freedom of speech. So the Purva Paksha uh, is controversial. A lot of people told me that uh, you put out this book and there'll be Christians will be up in arms that you are now, you're downplaying them and you're promoting your own religion and all that. I did it anyway. And it became a bestseller. I think that... Uh, uh, thoughtful critiques of Islam, not hitting below the belt or vulgar, or ab- abusive, those kind of things, and not extreme, taking the worst case scenario and t- calling it normal Islam, but taking st- things that are straight out of the Quran, straight, you know, out of the, the, the Prophet's life, uh, uh, Prophet's, uh, you know, uh, lifestyle and interpretations. And just uh, and not the modern recent behavior of uh, some people, but looking at the sources and evaluating them honestly and raising issues. I think that's a very good idea. And, and and that ought to be done. And To some extent, it is being done.
9: Thank you, sir.
0: Yeah. Chetan, sir.
1: Now it's your turn. Thank you.
9: Thank you. Finally, Rajiv, sir, this is a fan moment for me. Uh, your student, you are the book, you are the reason, uh, your book, uh, why I got into coaching and I'm in ed tech. So I have a, uh, honestly, a lot of questions have been answered, but I have one question in the current scenario. So there is something called caste census and I just want a short answer from you. I don't want to take time, but we'll definitely engage more in this such rooms. Uh, your thoughts on this uh, new caste census thing? to break India further. uh, And I I am a bit horrified with uh, positive vibes given by each, every political party, including Mr. Modi. So, your thoughts, sir. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I think that the census will arm the breaking India forces even further. Uh, Then they'll want a proportionate representation in the military. And they'll say that intelligence bureau and RAW should have so many proportionate representatives in it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe the cricket team should be according to the caste structure of India. Kind of nonsense like that, you know. So, the, the Mandal Commission started all this long ago. And this will become Mandal Commission 2.0 kind of thing, maybe. Uh, that's why I don't like it. I mean, the, There's nothing wrong with knowledge. And the more knowledge you get about your society, the better. But it also has to do with what's the likely usage. And you have to think about, you know, what will people get out of it? what will, What will be the benefit? What will be the harm? And I'm not so sure. Uh, what the what would be the benefit of uh, doing this uh, you know c- coming up with a quantification of uh, people in these different identity groups uh, and this I, this particular what bothers me is that this particular definition of caste was a british invention lord risley in the 1800s came up with all this and uh, for 40 40- Sorry, I kept getting disturbed. Sorry about that. so Lord recently started this thing, and the Indian government at independence should have dissolved all this uh, definition of caste and said that uh, we want uh, quotas based on need, individual need, so if a family has less income or if they've got this or that issue or uh, you know whatever the criteria is, there should be some algorithm that uh, looks at the individual situation based yeah. on their Aadhaar card or whatever they base it on. And that is how we can decide if you are entitled to a certain quota and some special privileges. And it has nothing to do with family background because maybe your parents are very rich and you are not. or it's a worse, It side could be. Maybe uh, people come from a poor family and they are very rich. They should not be given the, the quotas. So this business of taking all the people of, who are Brahmin and saying they're all latest. That's wrong because I know of so many poor Brahmins. Some of the, lot of the Pujaris are very poor people. And taking all the people of a certain uh, lower, supposedly lower caste and saying that all of them are entitled to privileges. But I know some billionaires who are Dalits. So, you know, the caste is a, caste is a, a kind of a, a, a political category for fragmentation, for vote banks. It will basically empower vote banking. And that is the the thought i have and if you want to build a society in the future you should ca- you should come up with different ways of classifying and characterizing you know your 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 uh, society so, so that the, it it it's used for positive purpose nation building i don't know wh- how will this be used for nation building i mean i'd like to know
1: great great insights chetan sir i think uh...
9: yeah there is a glitch i'm sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. So Anuji, you are next in the order. Anu Raghuji.
15: Thank you so much, Rabi.
9: Thank, thank you, Rajivji. Thank you.
15: Thank you so much, Rabiji. Pranam Rajivji, Panditji. Pranam to everybody present here. Um, Rajivji, my question actually goes back to digestion of uh, some of the Indian con- contributions, um, especially yoga. Um, I was in a club room a few weeks ago. And I heard a Westerner actually talking, uh, making a statement that um, Bhagavad Gita gave uh, uh, gave us the yoga and Hinduism as a formal religion came much after Bhagavad Gita. So yoga has nothing to do with Hinduism. And I, I was completely flabbergasted when I heard that. So how would you counter this? Thank you, sir.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> uh, it's just so ridiculous because... Uh, uh, Bhagavad Gita gave us yoga, but then Bhagavad Gita is also Hindu text. You know what? Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita gave you yoga. Then obviously, if he acknowledges Bhagavad Gita gave you yoga, then that in fact proves that yoga is a Hindu Hindu concept because it came from Bhagavad Gita. I would use the other argument, opposite argument, using his data. I would say thank you for reminding us that yoga is origin. Yoga taught in Bhagavad Gita is a very central concept, and that's a Hindu text. So therefore, it's a Hindu teaching. That's, that's, uh, that's all we have to say because what is the position is taking, I've heard this sort of thing so many times and our people need to be very courageous and hit back, you know, talk back at these guys.
15: Thank you so much, Rajivji. So what confounds me is uh, their position that Hinduism as a formal religion came after that. Uh, That, that was extremely infuriating to hear. But thank you for answering my so, question. So
0: so, that, okay, so his, his logic is that there was no Hinduism at the time. So uh, it yeah. could not have been Hindu. Uh,
7: yeah.
0: What you have to tell him is that the name Hindu is irrelevant to the concept, the principles. Okay, so it's like, uh, it's like you can change the name of a city, but that doesn't mean it didn't exist. I mean, uh, you know, a city could be changed its name is still the same city. Uh, a person can change their name. A corporate entity can change its name. Uh, so you know uh, they are used to they are used to, stuck too much on the vocabulary of how it's named. Uh, Christianity did not exist in Jesus Christ's time. Do you know that Jesus never used the word Christianity, never? Uh, it it, it uh, the the Bible was developed. the Bible as we know today was developed by Emperor Constantine in the fourth century, uh, in in a, in a, in a town in a, in a what is modern day Turkey. I visited that town, um, you know, and so we don't say that. Uh, 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 you know, Jesus is not the father, founder of Christianity because you know he never even talked about the word. He had teachings. He had teachings, and they later compiled these teachings and they gave it a name. That's that's all. Uh, so you know, Hindu. You what know, we call Hindu. What we call Hinduism. Uh, previously was called something else. Uh, so you can call it whatever you feel like. You can call. You can say okay. You can answer him by saying. Fine. There was no Hinduism, but there was Sanatana Dharma, right? Okay. So fine. Then it, we, we call it Sanatana Dharma. That's just another name for it. Uh, we call it. Uh, uh, we call it that. Uh, uh, Hindu. Uh, the yoga came out of uh, the Vedic tradition. That we're happy with that. You, you can. If you don't like the word Hindu, fine. We, we don't have to use it. We like it and we can use it. But you don't want to use it. You don't have to use it. But you cannot. You cannot say. That uh, uh, yoga does not come from the, in, the, from, from the Indian subcontinent and from the Vedic fountainhead of knowledge. You cannot say that just because the word Hindu was not used in the Gita.
15: Thank you so much, sir.
1: So, Nehal, sir, uh, he is my college senior and we both did uh, mechanical engineering. We in mechanical engineering. So, we the science people are now entering into social sciences and understanding what they preached uh,
0: falsehood. So, be so answer, good.
1: please. Yeah, thank you, sir. Uh,
16: thank you, Ravi. So, so, so can I th-
0: can I make a comment uh, because of what you just said uh, for a moment, and then you, you can ask the question. So, uh, social sciences being to- being picked up by uh, our techies is a great idea, but please remember. They have introduced the Western and the leftist idea of social sciences into the curriculum in IITs. And they are introducing it in the NEP, one of the bad things is they are introducing social sciences, but not defining what social sciences. If you go to the Indian Council of Social Science Research, ICSSR, uh, which is under the Ministry of uh, HRD, the Education Ministry, they have been giving grants to the leftist social sciences institutions. There are thirty or so, and they give them crores and crores of money. They fund those institutions that run by the extreme left people, and they're teaching all this nonsense about you know the Indian society from a very leftist lens point of view. So if if they and I have gone to these people many times, and I wanted uh, I wanted the opportunity to do a critique of social sciences in India. And the the ICSSR said, no, 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 we can't give you any support for that, you know. Uh, So, the... The pursuit of social sciences in India and the type of people who are academically trained and the books that have been written are not the kind of books that are Vedic social sciences. So when they bring social sciences under the NEP, they should qualify what kind of social sciences and who's going to develop it. It will take time. It will take funding. You, you, Where are those resources that are going to take Vedic principles and use them to understand modern society? That's a very big project. So uh, I'm glad you reminded me of Techies' getting into social sciences. But I would suggest that the techies should be given a guidance on Vedic social sciences. But please continue with your question.
16: Uh, thank you, Ravi, for this wonderful introduction. And uh, Pranam Rajivji, uh, I've been a huge fan of yours. Uh, as you said, that more means more of the techies like us should involve in uh, Vedic sciences. And although I have done B.Tech from Mechanical Engineering, but currently I am pursuing Artificial Intelligence course from IIT Madras. So my question revolves around this thing: what you have mentioned today, sir, that this cosmic neural network and how you, how you are planning to apply in AI. Where from? Where did you get this uh, idea or motivation, sir? Because uh, I too
0: very fascinated about this topic right now. Okay, so this is a research project of mine. I am so excited about it. I have got so many, uh, uh, so much manthan going on. I'm in daily conversations with all kind of experts. Uh, I find that most of them are not uh, connecting with the point. They don't understand why why to do this and that. Most of them are not very imaginative. But the point is all you need is one or two brilliant people. And only yesterday I had a, what I thought would be a 15-minute chat. But uh, with, with one lady in India whom I've known for a long time. Who's very profound in her practice. And in her adhyatmic practices and teaching all these kind of things. And when I started explaining AI, uh, she said, I don't know anything about AI, but if you tell me, if you tell me a little bit about it, then I can tell you how our tradition fits in. So I told her a, a, a certain amount about AI and she quickly caught on the concept. And then she gave me so much information. She told me where it's written, why, who wrote what, this and that, Shastra. And so I'm, I've been, I'm very honored, I get such friends also to help me. Uh, So I've been into this uh, cosmic uh, intelligence, cosmic intelligence uh, uh, for a long time. And I'm getting breakthrough after breakthrough. uh, And I have so much more work to do, so much more to read, so many more things to uh, interpret and meditate on. Uh, So that is my process uh, to answer your question. That is how I'm going about it. But how did I get the idea? It's a very simple thing, you know. The microcosm and the macrocosm are mirrors of each other. This is what is said in the in the in the chapter three of uh, you know the integral unity. This is a very simple concept. So, if the microcosm, which is uh, in in you as a person, uh, is uh, is uh, you know neural networks, then what is the macrocosm, cosmic equivalent? You have to ask that. And if the microcosm is so successful, if the neural network of the brain is so successful
5: sorry about that
0: if ai is ba- if ai is basically uh, a, a simulation or an attempt to uh, artificially replicate uh, the neural network of the brain and is it's producing such a huge breakthrough even though the understanding today in the west is not very sophisticated but even with whatever limited understanding they have they, they can, you know basically think about this uh, neurology today is sort of like rudimentary compared to the uh, what has not been discovered even this rudimentary N- uh, neurology. When the computer science people replicated into AI uh, programming, they're able to change the whole world. They're, AI is a revolution. So imagine as we discover more and more about the mind sciences and start enhancing the AI, what will happen? And then imagine that uh, if instead of limiting ourselves to uh, just the individual microcosm, we go to the cosmic. And the cosmic ma- uh, intelligence is re- Detail recorded in so many of our Shastras, so much of our Shastras. Now, that is my discovery uh, uh, and, and, and I have to write on it. It is a, it, it, people don't know. Even the people who are experts in those Shastras, please note this carefully. People who are experts in those Shastras have not thought of it in this way. They have not thought of it in this way. So, uh, so sometimes uh, the question you ask, is unique and original and it will generate new knowledge just because the question you asked. You don't know the answer and you don't have the data. Somebody else has the data, but he never asked that question. So for instance, you know, you, somebody could be a librarian. That doesn't mean he understands much. Librarian need not be a very highly informed person. He just knows where all the books are and what is written here, there, there. He's not even really read it. But he's just a curator and a keeper of all this knowledge, but he has never asked the right question. He's never probed it. So our Knowledge people are often like librarians, they've got memorized in their brain, they would memorize a lot of Shastra, but they haven't asked those questions, they, they don't know how to retrieve the information uh, in accordance with a particular quest, a particular search inquiry. So, I come with a huge amount of questions, a lot of queries. And I'm not satisfied with these answers. I keep going back and forth. And, you know, then they say they don't have time. Then I say, okay, I'll hire you. I'll pay you. What's your what's your salary? I'll pay you double that, triple that. But please help me out. And then they help me out a little bit. So after a lot of this Q&A with these people, like you're doing Q&A with me, I got to do Q&A with the search engine. Human beings who are search engines, are our, our pandits are like search engines. Pandit is a search engine. You, you tell the pandit where is all this written. And he'll tell you it's written here, there. He'll give you all the quotes. You write down all the different verses then you go dig deep, deep on your own then you come back after after you understood it come back to him or to some other pandit and you ask more questions this is how you have to do research so i am doing this research on the nature of cosmic intelligence and i'm coming up with major major gold mines that have not been tapped and a different way of looking at these gold mines so i want to write all this this is why i you can see the uh, few questions ago I when somebody said you should about the institutionalization and funding and all of that. And I, I shrugged my shoulders. I said, look, I'm done with all that. You guys should do that because I want to write these books. I'm so excited. This is very rewarding for me. So I, I, uh, uh, I congratulate you that after your IIT bachelor's degree, you went into AI. And then you found this very interesting that uh, uh, using AI and algorithms and machine learning and all that, uh, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can have a different, uh, uh, we can take the state-of-the-art forward, jump ahead. If we can understand what our Shastras have said about intelligence. If you know intelligence, you can create artificial intelligence. If you don't have the right idea of intelligence, then you will not have the right artificial intelligence. So the current idea of intelligence is being replicated in AI. But, you know, if you and I have better idea of intelligence, then we'll have better AI. It's just straightforward. Now I I went to when I discovered this some years ago and I was writing this book that just came out you know my AI book I went around to science and technology ministry I went around to culture people HRD people PMO's office I mean I, I just don't know where else to go I went to Niti people give me give me a chance you know build a team of five ten for to help me you put them on the payroll I don't want any money you put them on your payroll but let me guide them all I said was. Give me teams. I will define the kind of people I want. I will even search. Find those people. I'll bring them to you. You then put them on your payroll. Maybe HRD has some scheme or culture or whoever has these schemes, they have a lot of these fellowships and research fellowships and all. I will identify the people. You just make sure that they're paid so they're working for me because I don't want them to go, you know, uh, the, the feel that they're, they're not being compensated. If if you if you can pay the team that I identify, I will get the work out of them. I promise you delivery. I am are known to deliver results. I'm not a lazy guy. And, you know, there's no interest. So I have to do in my own, whatever I can do. I will not be able to implement a, an engine in in actual hardware, software, because that takes a different level of funding than I don't have. But I'll be able to come up with theories. I will be able to come up with principles. I'll be able to come up with how to go about doing it, but not be able to actually do it, which is a shame because we lose time. And what is likely to happen? Chinese people, American people reading these theories, they'll implement it. I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that the Chinese will implement these theories based on our knowledge systems better and faster than we'll be able to do. Americans will certainly do it. So this is the issue we have. You know. So you picked up this idea. I'm glad that you have the imagination and you have the creativity to say, my God, if, if we could study mind science more, why do you think I spent 20 years going on developing mind sciences, mind sciences? I don't show my hand all the time. But now I'm telling you what it is. It, it is the future of AI, mind sciences. And then even bigger is cosmic intelligence. Cosmic intelligence, where is it written? It's not written in Bible, Shible stuff. Not written. It's written in our uh, tradition. And not just in one or two places. It is just all over the place. But you need to know how to what to look for and when you go to the experts who are like search engines you know you you'll, you'll have to sit and be very nice to them and very calm and very gentle and keep saying ha pandit ye hai, and then gradually gradually the guy will understand he'll trust you he'll start telling you where these things are written and then you learn the verses and when you learn the verses then you'll find out how profound they are there are things in the rigveda i'll tell you that there are things so many things in the in the tantra tradition there are so many things in the Shaivism tradition there are so many things in sankhya and we have to, uh, we have to put or pull all that out and build a, build a Vedic model of uh, intelligence and its applications to artificial intelligence. This is the future of humankind. But, you know, uh, I'm glad that there are some people here uh, who are interested in pursuing it. And I really, really Bless you. I wish you well. I really, I mean, I I, I won't be able to, I won't uh, be around long enough to do all this stuff. But I would like to encourage and mentor and nurture people and turn things over to you guys so you can make this happen. Thank you.
16: Thank you, sir. I can. what I can conclude is today you have added a new dimension to my AI field. So I hope I will carry it forward.
0: Thank you, sir. Yeah, but you know, it's strange that for every one guy like you, There's 10,000 others who are doing AI, they think that you learn Python and you learn some programming here, you get this job and you learn about, you know, labeling or some little thing that you work for some company, uh, some Western company and you do some basic stuff. And uh, that's uh, that's a very rudimentary, that's kind of a coolie work, you know, Uh, we need big thinkers. We need people who can jump ahead and think the big picture. I would like us to develop this intellectual property and license it to the foreign guys and make tons, trillions of dollars out of it because they will, they will line up if we were to do it. Uh, that is my concern. That uh, uh, my book will definitely come out. I mean, unless I am not able to, you know, around. It. But if I, if I am around and I am reasonably healthy, I'll definitely produce these books. But who? I'm worried that the other side will read them more than our people. That's my concern. So, then, you know, I'm only feeding them, you know. They're, I'm just getting our knowledge digested. Because what will happen is that the cream, the real essence of the Vedic knowledge will get digested into some uh, machine learning algorithm somewhere, you know. And that will break my heart. You see why? Uh, you see my ang- anxiety, my uh, uh, frustration. I, I can I can
16: understand that, sir. But uh, there will be people, sir, who will take these Vedic ideas, take, take these algorithms and we will… Try to implement
0: in our Vedic system into AI field. So do you know? Do you know we, that? Do you know that contains gems for understanding human language, and understanding human language and understanding human thought as a gateway into mind, and that is the is a gateway into a very deep insight into the nature of intelligence, how a human being thinks, how he derives things, how he makes decisions. Uh, you know, and how to replicate that and model it into c- computer algorithms because nowadays there's no limit to hardware speed. And imagine with such enormous hardware speed, uh, there are some uh, uh, natural language processing which have got a few, which have more than a trillion, uh, trillion terms Trillion elements of language that are being tracked and learnt and all that, you know know that. You you go and read all this stuff. But this is also nothing compared to quantum computing. When quantum computing is there, it will be, uh, you know, one lakh times the speed, a million times the speed. Some people say a billion times the speed of the fastest silicon computer. So you're talking about unimaginable amount of computing power, which is about to come. So w- what will happen with that? People think that, oh, maybe, you know, we'll watch faster videos, we'll be able to download a video in two seconds. That is nonsense. That is, of course, very simple. But what will really happen is the frontiers of AI. Front This quantum computing will be the f- next frontiers of AI because they'll be you'll be able to do everything possible in just a split second whether you use it to break down somebody's security code it's like China will hack and all your networks and bring it down or to take, ha- hack a missile and move it in the wrong direction that will be one kind of application but the kind I'm I'm saying will be uh, at the frontiers of intelligence and turning it into cosmic intelligence and having a having a new idea of uh, super intelligent, beings like the Rishis were. This is this is absolutely amazing. And this ought to be capturing the excitement and the imagination, of those people who got the resources, those people who got the wherewithal, those people who go around giving lectures and talks and claiming to be big nationalists and patriots. It ought to capture their imagination. Those are the people who should come rather than me going around with the begging bowl, saying we may funding. They ought to come and say, look, all of that we will arrange. You please come and take charge and give some guidance. All I want is the opportunity to guide some young people that I will select. I'm not looking for anything for myself, but I, before I leave, I would like to turn this over, this knowledge over to people who will carry it forward. And that's all I want. I agree. Just I want to
16: add one more point. If you can see the same thing, sir, this Vedic, what Vedic science is, what it teaches us, that you have to first understand your intelligence and the cosmic intelligence. And in order to make some good models of AI, you that there also you have to understand how the intelligence you can devise into a machine. You have to understand the intelligence first. Otherwise, there's no point Howsoever you are a good uh, coder or something. Because there are other platforms like GPT-3 and all. They have already started creating algorithms, uh, tens of algorithms for a simple topic, which are way, written way better than a human person can write. So uh, this is my motivation factor behind this. And thank you for inspiring me. Sir. Thank you. Do
0: you know that uh, last year, uh, there was an AI conference, uh, worldwide conference organized by Nithya Yogg. And they had like two, three hundred speakers, uh, mostly from foreign countries, a few Indians. And they were really patronizing the, the big co- corporate entities from elsewhere, from foreign countries. They banned the Chinese of course, but there are a lot of American Euro- Europeans and the Indians were, were really going gaga and listening to them. And, uh, you know, the idea being that uh, we want to encourage AI in our country. So we want to bring all this great knowledge and inspire our people. And the ministry guys were, you know, sucking up to these people and all that. I, I was not even invited. Can you believe that? And, and that's after having gone around these uh, places for so many years and giving them my presentations and proposing this and that. They never even invited me. So finally, I talked to some fellow, a friend of mine, and he said, you know, uh, you know the vice chairman of uh, the Ayo because he was in St. Stephen's College. Why don't you ask your friend? So I said, OK, I'll try. So I, I called my friend. He said, send me a little note and I'll get you in. So, I mean, I, I respect him because he helped me. So I sent him a note. Uh, uh, you know, giving my whole thesis, what I want to say. And so, uh, they, uh, they, he sent it to the chairman, uh, you know, uh, uh, Amitab Kant, uh, saying, I have a friend from college and I think we should include him. He didn't say that I'm, I, I have knowledge. And it ought to be included. He didn't say it's because of merit, because of my original ideas. Because I I, I know AI from the early 1970s when I came to the United States. That was my field in computer science. He he didn't make it look like based on merit I should be brought in. He made it look like me, uh, let's do some uh, for my friend, please do a favor. So this went around here and there. And then finally, uh, some fellow there (laughs) gave me a very minor slot. A very minor slot. In, at the end of their whole thing, and, uh, and and you know, I just felt very insulted that this is the this is their respect for uh, somebody put so much effort into it. Why? Because I'm not some white guy somewhere, and I'm not uh, speaking uh, on behalf of Google or some one of those big companies, and therefore I don't matter. And maybe I'll be critical. Maybe I will I will explain the, or some of the issues, uh, which I did. I, 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 I absolutely want to. And and I'm considered a troublemaker because I I make provocative statements because that's how you move things forward. You, you have to provoke. Uh, Adi Shankara was a provocative person. Buddha was a provocative person. Jesus Christ was a provocative person. Gandhi was a provocative person. All, all these kind of people were provocative. And so unless if you are sure of knowledge and you're sure that it's for the good, you should provoke against all kind of uh, odds and against all the barriers that people put up so of course if i get a if i get an opportunity i will provoke so they gave me very minor slot to kind of contain me and not um, have me Say anything like that, and so on, and that, and after that, when uh, that, uh, when, uh, when my publisher wanted to get Diti, I to launch the book. They didn't even respond. Uh, we wanted to said, okay, if you can't launch it, can one of your people come and be one of the panelists? They didn't even want that. So the lack of support is so uh, systemic. Uh, so they're so threatened because you know. Google will not come if they if uh, they, if I'm for uh, that is scare the Indian people that if Google didn't come Facebook didn't come then some like, we can't help this guy. I was uh, uh, invited to a uh, uh, you know I've had about fifty episodes on AI in my YouTube channel. You guys should watch. And some are one-on-one interviews, some are panelists of various people, and all kind of people have come. And one of the uh, guys uh, said he wants to interview me and have me on a panel. And I said, great, who else will be on it? And they listed names of people. One of them was uh, head of Google. I said, do you think he'll come? He said, yeah, yeah, he'll come. Another one was head of Facebook. I said, look, how sure are you he'll come? He said, no, no, this is their topic. I know this guy is a nice guy. He'll come. I said, okay. But then... There was silence at the other end. And then finally, when I contacted these guys, I said, what happened? He said, no, no, we are reconstituting new panel. I said, what happened to this Google guy and the Facebook guy? They said, oh, they have to wait. They have to get corporate clearance and, and they'll get back to us. We'll see. I said, listen, the moment they... Turn it over to corporate clearance. The corporate clearance will say, stay out of this guy because he'll, he'll only put you on the spot and you do, you won't be able to answer his questions. So don't go. That's exactly what happened. And when Google didn't want to come, the, the India guy, the Facebook guy didn't want to come. This, this Indian fellow didn't want to be involved. He didn't want to be blacklisted because, you know, if he's seen with me, then maybe the Google will not invite him next time. So we are we are being captured, you can call them Google Devata, like I call them, You can, Facebook Devata, that's how I call them in my book. You can call them the East India company that have captured us. It depends on which framework you want to use. But we are being colonized. And, and our government is in it. Our ministries are involved in it. Our industry is involved in it. Uh, so this is a very serious matter. And so when I get some traction from young people like you, I'm very happy.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir. I'll definitely
5: watch your YouTube videos. Thank you, sir. So, Mayangji, uh, you are next in the order. Yeah. Thank you, Ravi ji. Uh, namaste, Rajiv ji. I have just understood about uh, your work just a couple of days back and I've become instant, uh, you know, instantly inspired by your work. Uh, sorry. Uh, when I was growing up and I learned about the invasions that happened, uh, I was very concerned about the scriptures that were lost. So somehow they stayed with me. And many years later, uh, I was initiated to Kriya yoga and that really helped me to, uh, understand my little truth in my own way. And I could relate to whatever you said about disconnection with the history. Or I think you, you use some term for that. And that is brilliant. I mean, the way you captured it, uh, Uh, I I want to really contribute to your work. Uh, I have written to you on back channel, maybe in terms of uh, management and funding. Uh, Currently, I am working uh, as part of a mission to democratize human health, where we are integrating all the types of approaches of medicine, uh, which integrates Ayush as well as modern science uh, into a contextual super app, which will be both uh, online as well as offline. So uh, happy to uh, participate in that. Uh, i My question to you uh, was in terms of uh, uh, what you think about the if you know about this Drugs and Magic Remedies Act and what you think about that because I think this is what is uh, stopping uh, our uh, you know, yogic sciences to really take uh, you know prevalence across the society. Uh, as per Drugs and Magic Remedies Act, if I tell someone that they can magically heal by something, that is considered illegal, but at the same time, Uh, modern science is allowed to drive a narrative that something can magically uh, make someone sick uh, which is a virus and uh, which has caused a lot of disruption across the planet in terms of the liberties that has been lost Uh, so what is it that you have to say about that sir
0: see I think that uh, this kind of this act uh, uh, blocks free thinking and scientific research into areas that are not known today to humanity uh, uh, whether they are known in the past or whether they were not known, but we can discover them in the future. The point is that to block it and call it magical and make it criminal is a stupid idea. I just, uh, I just uh, want you to know that uh, a Nobel laureate who uh, got the Nobel Prize for HIV, some research work he did, discovery of HIV virus and all that, he got the Nobel Prize for it, uh, is now involved in uh, research on uh, uh, his theory of uh, water has memory uh you dip a DNA, uh, you know, d- you dip a uh, DNA uh, uh, molecule and uh, the water kind of has an influence of that DNA. And then you remove this uh, molecule uh, and the memory is there. So now you keep diluting it, diluting it, diluting this uh, water. You know, you make it like a like one drop in the whole ocean, that kind of dilute, dilution. And then he proves empirically that this water still has the memory of that particular DNA and it can reproduce that DNA under certain conditions. It can reproduce that exact same DNA. Now, that's absolutely amazing, but no physics can explain it. This is a Nobel laureate. He's not some quack. But he's also saying that uh, I'm blocked and nobody believe me, but because I'm a Nobel laureate, nobody can, uh, you know, get me out, get me in trouble, but they don't want to promote it. Uh, so, even a Nobel laureate, thinking out of the box, you know, this is the orthodoxy of science. Uh, Uh, is not allowed. There's so many, uh, so many, uh, you know, quandaries and so many paradoxes in science uh, that science cannot uh, understand. And I'm predicting that the future of a lot of this discovery will bring the state of the art into our direction. Our country will block it. Others will discover it. And then we license it from them. How stupid. One of the things similarly, I'm telling you that, you know, I mean, it may surprise you to know this, but in my AI book, I've given an actual reference. Indian Indian law on patents says that very explicitly says software cannot be patented. I don't know if you guys know this. Under Indian law, software cannot be patented. So you have to patent the software in a foreign country, license it back. It's so stupid. Why is it that software cannot be patented in India? Nobody's given me an answer. I mentioned this. One of the things I criticized about Niti Aayog. I said, you guys should change all this. And so they're embarrassed, you know, that why is this guy saying like this and all that. But it is an embarrassment to a country which says we are the software superpower of the world, which for us means that we supply tech coolies and let other people patent the knowledge. We ourselves don't even allow software to be patented. Please read my book and uh, uh, get the actual quote. I talked to, I was so shocked. I talk, I had to verify it with some legal experts and they said, yeah, that 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 reference, that particular statement of the law is accurate. So now this, if software cannot be patented, then obviously other people will have to license the software it was. Uh, now this discovery of new kinds of knowledge will be called magic and black magic and all that is criminal. And if you go around uh, proposing any of that stuff, even if it is from our Vedic heritage or whether it is or not. Uh, if you propose things that people don't understand, then it's called magic. Uh, and, and then you be criminalized. They could criminalize you. This is horrible. And here it is. We are talking about, you know, futuristic country and we are going to have all this stuff and whatnot. Come on, there are basic things we got to change. That whole criminal act, that whole criminalizing, uh, you know, what is called magic. Uh, Will one day be looked upon, uh, you know, many decades later after we we learned a lesson the hard way, uh, it will be looked upon as something which is so primitive and backward, it will laugh at it. The criminalization of discovery is a bad idea. Whatever the discovery is, you have no right to call it magic and, uh, you know, reject it. If you look at Chinese medicine. Uh, it would be called magic because, uh, but China encourages it and they exported uh, Chinese medicine. They have this uh, yin-yang, nobody can see, look at, no instrument can detect yin and yang. And they have these meridian points similar to the nadis. Uh, they have these so many tens of thousands of meridian points in your body. And uh, uh, the, the person who's doing acupuncture tells you that this is the line through which your meridian point goes. So if I go and say I have a back, uh, uh, I, I once I had a growth on my back the size of a golf ball. It was getting hard, very tough, very, you know, and all the regular uh, doctors told me that the only, uh, they have no way to figure out what might happen and uh, the only solution is you have to surgically remove it and hope for the best. So I went to this acupuncture, this Chinese guy. I got to know him quite well. We're good friends. So he said, look, I can uh, can certainly shrink it 50% in a week or two. So I said, fine. Actually, in the same week, three visits, it was down to 20% of its size. And I said, how do you do it? And because he didn't put needles in there. He put needle, one in my toe, one in my ear, like that. You know, he said that these are meridian points. They go, they're invisible, this kind of a thing, the chi, it flows. And this chi is sort of like prana, I guess, or whatever. And this flows in a certain way. And he gave me all these maps. And when you when you press it, it when you uh, activate the chi here and activate it there, it'll flow into your back. It Whatever. He, he had a scientific, he had an explanation. Which And I said, Western science, what do they think of it? And he said, they call it magic. But, you know, we don't. We are not allowed to claim that we, are, we have treated you or cured you. Uh, you've come on your own. It's a voluntary thing and we are doing it. We cannot promise because then we'll get in trouble. But in China, he said, China, this is encouraged. China is big on this. China thinks it's a very big breakthrough. And they are, they are putting huge amount of funding to promote and discover new Chinese medicine. So why is India... Taking this kind of a Western idea that all this is black magic of, you know, this Indian knowledge stuff stuff and medicine and all that, uh, and our treatments are black magic. Why don't they allow people to experiment? Many experiments will fail. Some will succeed. That is how discovery happens. You know, you see how the Wright brothers were going on making airplanes and falling and airplanes falling. And they kept doing it until they finally made airplanes fly. I mean, that's the nature of science. You, you have to keep experimenting. It fails. And then one day it works. So this business of what is called black magic, this is also discovery of new breakthrough ideas. So it is, a, it is just a very strange policy. And I, I really cannot understand how they must have fallen behind some, maybe some scientist, some science guy, some tech, uh, ministry guy wanted to, uh, under the influence of some foreign uh, people, uh, they wanted to show that we are very modern and we are not superstitious. And so we are going to show that we are, uh, we are going to uh, comply and make these laws. It's actually quite a lot of uh, damage,
5: according to me. Thank you so much. And I I just wanted to just take 10 seconds. So I give this counter-argument to people and I say, uh, telling someone that the virus is going to somehow uh, kill you is also part of, uh, it's also devilry, which is part of magic. So uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to block magic remedies by saying that there is no scientific research for it, why is it that we don't uh, ask for a research to say that... uh, uh, you know they, they, I mean they, they can just ask us to put masks without research and w- without any research to rule out the negative impacts of the mask so uh, this is I mean I, I think a lot of cultures are now calling the bluff out of this whole thing the way the narrative has been built uh, and I'd like to participate in what you just said that you are coming up with a white paper I've already built a white paper on my own uh, happy to collaborate and you know with your guidance uh, support you with their effort yeah uh, you should, I have- you should yeah. send
0: me send me, your, send me your stuff and I'll put you in touch with our team but let me also tell you one thing before I forget. Sorry to sorry to uh, interrupt. I'm I, I apologize for that, but I don't want to lose this train of thought. You know, I, I gave a talk at the Bhava Atomic Research Centre, and this YouTube video is up there. You should watch it. So during the Q and A, when I was talking about you know Vedic knowledge and whatnot, uh, a lot of these guys being hardcore physicists and nuclear scientists and all that. So one of them said, "How do you know? How can you? How can you uh, uh, believe in something we can't see?" we can't experience, we can't see it. So how can I, how can I believe in all this? Even if you can show that there is an effect, how, but I can't, uh, I can't understand and I can't see it. So it's not scientific. So my answer, it, dumbfound, it really floored them. I said, look, have you ever seen an electron? And the room was silent. There's a whole big room. Uh, Ganesh Arnal used to be, my friend, he used to take me to all these places and he said, my God, those people you could have seen on their faces. They were just, they, you, you know, something really hit them. They didn't know what the hell to say uh, because he was in charge of, you know, camera and looking at what the audience reaction is and all. So I said, no physicist has ever seen an electron. And yet physics would not exist without electron. You cannot have a physics and with not electron in it because that's so fundamental to the theory of matter. But none of you ever saw it, none of you will ever see it, none of no physicist ever saw it. So I said, If you have ever seen an electron, please raise your hand. So I said, Then the reason you believe there's an electron is you surmise and you extrapolate from the knowledge, from the evidence, you extrapolate that there has to be an electron to produce those effects. You do not see the electron, but you see its effects. So if you are telling me that mere effects is not enough until you see the cause, that's not science. So I said, what happens, the way you you detect electrons is you never see an electron. But you have a beam, you have a theory that there is something called electron. And according to that theory, it has a certain electric charge. It has a certain mass. Uh, and you can, uh, at a, in a certain way, you can produce a beam of electrons according to this theory. Uh, how many electrons there are in different kinds of matter, you have a theory of that. So uh, so you can make an experiment where you produce a beam of electrons. And this beam of electrons will land on a in, on a photographic plate and it will make a dot. Because when the electron lands and reacts, it produces that mark. And then you... You, you t- change the electric field, so the, the the line, it develops a line. It develops into a line, not dot, but the line because you move the electron and you move the beam, so it makes a line like you make a pencil. You put a pencil on paper and you move it to the right, so it makes a line. So the the the, and then you change the electric field and moves up. You change it another way, it makes a curve. So exactly the shape that you're making corresponds to your predictive model so basically you have a theoretical model that there is something called electron and it behaves in this manner and if you change the change the electric field then it will behave accordingly and you, you it keeps making a mark on the on the photographic plate and you keep doing millions of experiments and it always produces a line in a, uh, which, which is exactly as you predict according to the model, so you're you're from that you believe that there must be this electron because it's behaving according to our predictions according to the model. So electron is something you you and you have theorized. You never seen it, and the its actual behavior in, in in an empirical sense corresponds to your model. Therefore, your model must be valid. So it it is not that you've seen the electron. But you have a model that theorizes such a thing must exist and your model has been tested because it produces some predictions of how it will behave and it seems to behave like that. So something as fundamental as an electron, you've never seen. Now gravitation, you could say, I feel it. If I jump, I will feel the gravitation. Okay, fine. But you have never seen a little teeny thing called an electron in your whole life and you never will. But it's simply a model that has been validated by the results. And this is, this is how science works. I gave them these lectures. These are all these nuclear scientists, guys, big shots out there. And I'm just some random fellow. And they were floored. Then later, they took me out to dinner, some of the hosts, you know. And they said that idea was a brilliant idea. I said, but that is science. You know, science is like that. You, you don't see uh, something, but you theorize. And then that that theory keeps getting measured, 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 evaluated, and uh, and, uh, for millions of times it turns out to be valid. And then you say, okay, this theory must be valid. And then that item is considered to exist. It becomes part of physics that there is electron. So this way, this way, Chinese guy was basically saying that nobody has seen chi and nobody can directly measure it. But, you know, if you assume a model of chi, how it flows and where the meridians are and whatnot, if you assume that model and then you keep treating people according to that model and they keep getting well, then you believe that the model must be valid. So we, we, we believe in chi without having seen it because it works. This is very pragmatic. And going back to AI, this is this says that chi is an algorithm. It, it produces some result and that result is useful. And that result shows that we can treat people. And therefore, this algorithm must be valid. This is how AI works, believe it or not. AI basically says that you develop algorithms, you train these algorithms, and if they work in practice, they're useful, then it must be valid. Most of these big companies that have these AI models are not able to explain exactly how the hell it works. They're not able to. They're just able to say that, try it, and it is useful. And therefore, if it is useful, it's a good thing. So this business of black magic, you know, is completely nonsense. Uh, If it works, it works. That's it. The idea should be that, look, I don't care whether you're using black magic or whether it's some agma and whether it is some whatever you're doing. But if you can treat people, you do a scientific experiment. If you can show in a clinical environment that uh, X percent of the people got the result that your model predicts, uh, you know, then that's a valid model. And even in modern medicine. The FDA in the U.S. does not expect 100% success of any medicine, never. There's a certain uh, threshold that if you can show that uh, against a control group, if if there's a control group that did not get the medicine and there's a group that did get the medicine and in all other ways, they're the same kind of group, but one got the medicine, if you can show improvement in X percent. X percent improvement, that's all. It doesn't have to be 100%. If you can show X percent improvement, then we'll, we'll certify that medicine is a good medicine. And we'll let you use it. So if the person did black magic and he got X percent, why not? Do you understand? Now, many years ago, let me just give one more example. Many years ago, Templeton Foundation uh, organized a, a uh, effect of prayer on the outcome of heart disease, this is probably on the internet some paper like that. Infinity Foundation was involved in it. They were they uh, they they wanted to. When Sir John Templeton was alive, I knew him. He was actually a very honest man. He died in his nineties, very rich billionaire type. After he died, his son took over, and a lot of these born again Christians took over, changed. But in those days, he was really interested in science, the future of science. And he was respectful of the dharma traditions. He, in fact, called me to a board meeting. He wanted me to be on his board at that time. I came as a guest uh, during a board meeting. And he was very interested, very respectful. And they organized a experiment because they had tons of money. They organized an experiment where uh, when heart, pay, open heart surgery is being done, there are traditions that say that prayer helps. Prayer helps a medical outcome. So, there was one in, uh, one one of the centers was uh, Duke University. One of the centers was a Sain Baba hospital somewhere in India. And one was some other very famous Mayo Clinic or some kind of place like that. I don't remember exactly where it was. And they had these three places. And they had, uh, uh, you know, different uh, traditions. One was, I think, a Buddhist. Uh, one was some other tradition. One was a Christian prayer. So, they had these people sitting in the next room praying during the, entire open heart surgery and they did this for uh, se- several uh, such surgeries and the outcome they compared with the controlled group of uh, open heart surgeries which did not have prayer. And they, according to the published report of Templeton Foundation, the there was a measurable improvement in the outcome of those open heart surgeries which were done with prayer. So, this was interesting because now Templeton Foundation is a very big deal. It's not a joke, you know. And the Templeton Foundation, Sir John Templeton says it. You cannot just laugh it away. You cannot say it's a bunch of quacks, you know, because they got so much money. Indians don't have that courage. The Indian billionaires would not stick their neck out and do something like that. But Sir John Templeton did it. Now, after that, his son took over. Then they wanted to replicate this experiment on a big scale. So, there was one physicist called Pete Hutt. In the Institute of Advanced Study in Princeton, that's the institute which was set up for Einstein. Einstein lived there. That was his uh, base for research and all that. Institute of Advanced Studies in Princeton, very famous place. And P-I-E-T is the first name H-U-T. He's a Danish guy, Dutch guy, something like that. He has a Japanese wife. We were very, very good friends. We used to sit and meditate together. I'm talking about in the mid-90s. So he got involved because Templeton wanted to attract people. So he got involved as one of the consultants and advisors. And Templeton wanted to now replicate this experiment on a big scale. Because this experiment was just a feasibility on a small scale. But when you do something on a small scale that shows promising results, then you replicate it on a bigger scale. So they wanted him to be involved. And I was very excited. He's a Buddhist, this guy. Is Pete so, but he was disillusioned <clears throat> because when he met with the, the people in charge in the, of this project at uh, Templeton Foundation, they said, we will only allow authentic prayer. And he said, what the hell is authentic prayer? And to them, it meant Christian prayer. So we'll only test it against the efficacy of Christian prayer. And we are not, uh, he said, well, but what about Buddhist prayer? What about Hindu prayer? What about all those prayers? They're not interested. So after showing that it is valid. They wanted to pursue the proving proving that, uh, you know, Christian prayer will help and all that. So the project dropped because this guy didn't want to uh, pursue it. Uh, The point I'm making is that if suppose somebody in India wanted to do an experiment showing that, okay, what is the effect of mantra uh, on uh, disease treatment? It may be considered black magic and that would be considered illegal. That's nonsense. Because Westerners are doing these kind of things. Westerners showing the effect of mantra on all kinds of things. M- mantra healing, mantra, ma- mantra's effect on MRI in your brain. All that you mean to tell me is black magic and all that is criminal. So I I, I am very upset that, that our own government has done these kind of things against our tradition and while claiming to be championing our tradition, which I think is a big contradiction. But please, I, I interrupted you. I didn't want to lose my train of thought. But please continue. Ajay, ji, Abhi Manuji. Yeah, Mayank sir. Uh, sure, carry on, carry on. Uh,
1: actually, actually, we have seen that Rajiv sir is speaking for so much of long hours and unka throat, harsh throat, we have to do so. A uh, quick wrap up, we yeah. So, Abhi Manuji, please. Um,
17: yeah. uh, am I audible? G. Namaskaram, everyone. And thank you so much, Ravi sir, for allowing me to ask the question. Uh, Raji sir, after listening to your, to some of your lectures online, I'm looking forward to reading all your books and, uh, uh, like, uh, and I'll be writing to you in whatever way I can volunteer and contribute. I'll be happy to do that. Uh, your work is really encouraging and enlightening. And to be honest, uh, uh, you seem like a hope that uh, for, for the otherwise lost fight that we have for reviving our culture. Uh, I think the problem here, uh, we are dealing with is, uh, I mean, you know, if it uh, comes from the east, it becomes superstition, and it if it goes from the west, it becomes science.
1: Abhimanyu, Abhimanyu. So please, my question please, is, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So my
17: question is related to yoga. So, for example, so with, the, so with the westerners and even in many Indian teachers, they they teach distorted form of yoga on social media, you know, without a lineage, learning it from the book and videos and etc. The teaching all sorts of distorted forms of yoga on on these social media platforms. Now, now, how we, do we safeguard first the digestion of Indian science of yoga and the culture? And at the same time, uh, how do we uh, promote the true essence of yoga? How do we guide people? What, what is authentic yoga and what is not? Uh, why I'm asking you this question is, so for example, uh, when the lockdown happened, uh, I being a full time yoga teacher, it is being my livelihood. So we went to our guru and asked if we can teach all our practices online. He said no. He directly said no and he said, uh, are you here to sabotage yoga or uh, teach uh, like, uh, you know, uh, to protect yoga? So, uh, my question, uh, can you please answer? So, you know, we are in a world where you cannot stop
0: other people from doing what they do. You cannot. But you can do, you can accelerate your own side and you can compete against it. So, as far as the research on uh, all our uh, Dhyatmic techniques, the scientific value for our Dhyatmic techniques is concerned, I could give you a whole... Big discussion on what I've learned they're doing in Harvard and in uh, Massachusetts General Hospitals uh, regarding these things, and I have a large number of videos recorded which I don't have. I haven't had the time to edit and put them out there, but that's quite a quite a lot. Uh, now the the um, uh, so point is that this knowledge, this research, investigative stuff, our people are not doing. If they are doing, they're working for them. They're, 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 these Harvard guys, they bring in some guy from. S. Vyasa in Bangalore, and he comes here and he gives some lecture. If he's very happy that he's being honored and he's being respected. and, and uh, But what he doesn't realize is they're picking his brain, they're sucking his knowledge, they're digesting it, sending him back on his plane, and they'll publish something. And uh, they'll, they'll get some patent on it. He doesn't realize that. And when I raise it to his attention, he's not bothered. He's, you know, he does bother. So uh, the, the point is, we need to be doing this ourselves. Uh, and we need to have, we need to have intellectual property that we certify, we license, we, uh, we publish, we claim it as our own. We cannot stop them from doing it. We will not be able to stop Harvard from doing it, but we can, we can also pick up what they've learned and pick it up and take it forward. They are picking up what we've learned and taking it forward as their own. We can pick up what they've learned and take it forward as our own. It's a game like that. China is very good in that. China says, we can't stop the Americans but we'll steal, we'll take whatever they have back, borrow, steal and just uh, improve upon it and call it our own and we'll keep moving forward. So, India needs to have a research uh, mentality, a whole uh, uh, whole infrastructure and ecosystem where uh, research is encouraged into these things. It should not be That you are, that you have, you go and you recycle the same talk for 20 years. Like our people, when you go to Vedic knowledge, Vedic science, they're recycling the same, you know, they're not publishing new stuff. They're just repeating the same stuff they've been talking everywhere. Uh, And they're repeating each other's stuff. And it is sort of very, some superficial stuff. Original, it has to be original. It has to be new. And, And you have to encourage people who do that. You have to reward them. That is how it will happen. So the, 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 and, and I know of many such examples where a few gurus are beginning to do that. There is one uh, prominent guru, I promised I won't mention his name. He passed away, but his, his followers wrote to me like 20 years ago and said, you know, we have this knowledge and it is being popularized in the West also. There's a new kind of physics that our guru has. So I saw all that and I said, you know, Based on what I read, these people are digesting your knowledge. You think that they're praising you, but actually they're digesting the knowledge. You have to publish it yourself, and you have to not let them change the framework. You have to you have to use the guru's original framework, and if you are his shishyas, you have to do that. So they didn't want to do it in those days. But luckily, strangely, two my mu- two months ago I met this fellow again, and he he was he's one of the followers of the guru, and he said, you know, we are producing a book on this. And we are, we've decided, we, we decided based on what you said, we will produce a book, our own book in our own framework and we'll claim original stuff and we're going to put it out there. So I think his book has come out or it will come out and it will create some... Uh, kind of a revolutionary claim about some physics and all that. Uh, we need people who are ca- who are courageous and want to do these things, stick their neck out, and publish it. Partly it's also lack of confidence. When the white man comes in Harvard name and he puts a pat on the back and says "Shabash, shabash, both acha hai," and I'll make you a junior co-author or acknowledge you in the appendix or in some little footnote, the guy is very happy that you know he's got something big. But even if he's a discoverer. Even if it is his guru or his tradition is a discoverer, he's not uh, assertive enough to say, listen, we got to get primary credit and we ought to stick to our framework. I can give you so many examples. It is quite sad that this is going on. Uh, there is one guy, uh, uh, Ulrich Morrowff, M-O-H-R-O-F-F, U-L. The first name is Ulrich, U-L-R-I-C-H, something like that. Uh, I think it's a German name. Uh, he's, a, he's in the Aurobindo ashram for like 30 years. I've met him many times. In the 90s, he was writing the Aurobindo, inter- no, Pondicherry Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics. I was very impressed. Pondicherry Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics. And he has Sri Aurobindo's thought and Brahman and all that very detailed. He's a physicist by training, very detailed original work on how Sri Aurobindo's framework is applied to interpret quantum mechanics. I was very impressed by it. And then uh, one or two trips later, because I used to visit there all the time. One or two trips later, he gave me a published paper. And in that published paper, he removed all the reference to Brahman and Sri Aurobindo and all that. Now it has become some something else. There is no Pondicherry one. He says, uh, and I asked him, why are you doing that? Why you got it? Why did you remove your tradi- our tradition? That is where you got it from. I have a copy of your first draft. It was very much Sri Aurobindo's idea. He said, that was for you. That is for internal people. But, you know, these journals will not accept it. They will consider it voodoo and, uh, you know, magic and whatnot. And they will not superstition, use the word. But in order to get it published, I had to remove all that because they will not accept it. I said, but then you've you've sold out. You've allowed it to get digested into a Western framework because this way, you, you know, your paper will get published. He said, but what can I do? And then he said... Quite something quite irritating. He said, "But you should be grateful to be you're angry. You should be grateful that because I'm a, I'm connected with the West, I'm able to get the idea through to them. And you should not be so worried whether it, whether your culture gets credit or not." I said, "This is this is shameful because if somebody took an idea for, of Einstein and he removed all all the references and he just claimed it as some Chinese discovery or something like that, you guys would be really upset." So this is a very old practice. This has been going on for a long time. This kind of uh, plagiarism is going on for a long time. And when you're asking what should we do about it, we have to, we have to first of all, recognize it. We have to call the, sh- call the bluff on the other side. Like uh, Ragini does this. I've seen her do it with so many people. Says, OK, now what you are saying is not original. You should quote the source. We have to have that kind of courage. And we have to then accelerate our own research. You know, We cannot stop the research. Somebody is going to discover these things. Like I told you about my AI work that I'm going to do. Somebody is going to take all these ideas forward. And whether it is Indians or Chinese or Americans or whoever, I don't know. But somebody is going to do it. Somebody is going to invite me when the book comes. Somebody is going to invite me on a lecture tour across China. I'll accept it because they are very good uh, listeners and they they have a lot of students and they, they have researchers. I've already been given, told that, that, uh, you know, one day we want you to come and make a visit when this COVID thing is over. I will go because, you know, an author, what does he need? He needs an audience. He needs readers. A researcher needs people who take his research seriously. So uh, that is just natural for a researcher to go wherever they're taking his work seriously. And if the if the, if the the people in my own culture don't really respect it a whole lot and don't think it's that, uh, don't want to give it much importance, then that's a loss. This is how it is turning out to be. I've come across so many people in Harvard also. There's one guy, Indian fellow, privately very supportive. He said, you know, I've been given so much respect here. I've got so much funding. I've got so many graduate students working for me. i got a lab. I've got all of that. And, you know, uh, the answer to your question, why aren't we doing it in India is because nobody in India bothered. So this is the problem. So should we... Uh, 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 Raviji, should we be close? Because I think we've had like three and a half hours. I really enjoyed it, by the way. And if you have a recording, which I think you do, can you send it to Manisha and she can she can uh, give it to me? Yeah, yeah, we are recording this session, sir. Yeah, and so I, I uh, ji and yeah
1: yeah, yeah. akanksha ji and vivek ji it would, uh sorry and apologies Ham se session ba- moka to. and i was uh, invite i invited patrick ji sanathani patrick ji to conclude the session yeah no issues at all i thoroughly enjoyed listening to rajiv ji thank you so much for this session
7: also,
1: and also apologies to the back channel messages maine I have many questions. So, uh, maybe Rajiv sir uh, talked and covered uh, your answers cover because he talked so much of different fields. What is the answer? Yeah. Akshat sir. No, no, I just, I just jumped out of my meeting which I am already you know,
3: running on the calendar. So I really enjoyed on and off and the recording has been done. We will definitely share with the people who have out today's session. So can I say.
1: Yeah. And Yogesh Ji, Vinid Aapkobi, and Nakshad Ji, thank you to to uh, help me to organize the session. And please, uh, Sanathani Patrick Ji, please, uh, we want to listen from you. And Madhav at the end,
18: you will say thank you. Yeah, Patrick Ji. Ravi, thank you so much. What a wonderful forum you've hosted. It's been illuminating. I just wanted to pay my respects to Pandaji because I know he's in the room. Sri Guru Bhyo Namaha, Jai Sri Ram. R- Rajiv, I'm so um, taken by uh, your wisdom. Uh, the words of enlightenment are so encouraging. I, I, to be honest, I've only I've only um, learned about you in the last few months, and uh, and so I'll be pouring more direction towards you. Um, thank you so much. It's in this time right now we're we're inundated um, by a dharma. There's such a lack of truth that pervades you know uh, every aspect of our lives um if we could if i could just move away from the subject i was hoping you could person on a personal note just um maybe just share uh if you can if you care to um your personal sadhana how it's evolved and and what your day is like today if you know if it's not too intimate and too private if you wouldn't mind sharing that i would love that and thank you so much you're such a great uh, light i'm so grateful
0: so, thank you, everybody. This has been very wonderful. Uh, and and, uh, and the question is a very in- interesting question. But, you know, I've uh, usually uh, not uh, promoted my autobiography, my life journey and whatnot. But when somebody asks a very personal question, I, I do answer it uh, uh, if, if it's a sincere question as it is in your case. What I would suggest is this. If you wait a few more days or weeks, Madhuk Kishwar did a three-part interview. One hour each, one and a half hours each part uh, on my journey, and very detailed questions: what I was like, what happened, what were the incidents in my life, how I met my guru in the early nineties, what was that moment like, what went through, how it changed my life. So, so the rather than a very quick answer on my own spiritual uh, quest and my spiritual processes, which are quite uh, deep in, and uh, have transformed me, and that's why I am here. That's what I do all the time. So. Uh, I, what I what I want to do is I promised uh, Madhu that she said, look, let me be the first one to get this story out because you never told this. And I said, fine. So I'm out of respect for her. I'm uh, waiting for her to edit those three. I think t- tonight the all the raw footage is going to be sent to her uh, uh, by the video people. And then it's up to her team to uh, edit, do the editing. Once that comes out, uh, then I think it'll be fair to have a uh, do a lot of Q&A on that and to build on it and go into further details. But in a nutshell, what I can tell you is that I've had many gurus, uh, learned huge amount of techniques from lots of them. Uh, from childhood, uh, my mother, being the first guru, very enlightened. She just passed away this year, earlier this year uh, at the age of 95. A brilliant medical doctor, gold medalist, but also very, very dharmic. Uh, uh, So, I learned several things from several uh, teachers at various times. But formal meditation, I was initiated by Maharishi into the Transcendental Meditation Movement. And and, uh, I practice it, still practice it. But on top of that, I supplemented it with a lot of things in Tantra, a lot of things in from Shaivism. Uh, I've been through the Sudarshan Kriya of uh, Siri Siri. I've been through so many... Teachers and and uh, and uh, and gurus, always honoring them, respecting them. Whatever I can learn from them, I want to learn from them. And I built a built my own practice and evolved that practice over time, which I'll be happy to d- discuss in more specific details after Madhu's uh, uh, Madhu's uh, series comes out. So that is my that is my kind of a quick response. But I would like to love to give a more detailed response at some point in time. So, so,
1: how to find the recording? club uh, Vedic Yogic. You can see the spelling without space. Vedic Yogic. So, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Ghana and Geo Savan, You can get all of them there. Excellent. Thank
0: the you so much. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thanks. Thank you very much. And I am really delighted I came here. I met some wonderful people. And I l- really loved answering your questions. Uh, you know, this is an ongoing, endless uh, journey and uh, uh, we could go on for hours and we should. And maybe uh, we'll come back some other time and continue this. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And my namaskar to all of you. Jai Shri Ram. Jai Hind. so Jai Ram, Jai can I ask Jai you for a favor
13: yes,
8: quickly? Ram. Because
13: since we are about to end this. Uh, go ahead. Third, could- are you done? Yeah, sir. So like uh, Ji, I'll Shanti be able
1: to do that. Okay. Uh uh, yeah. you keep leave now karibich me. Uh key key. Can I please? Yeah, I'm not no, yes. no, no, Just stick to, to the, specific the, specific stick,
3: specific stick to the stick to stick stick to the question to. and we'll carry on from there. Stick to
13: the question. I'll be very oh. quick. So, sir, thank you for coming. I'm totally spellbound by your words. So, sir, I have could you please uh connect with me offline and follow me back? Because I've just started a club called GeoEconomics where I discuss about geopolitics and economics and I was about to host a room about the lithium supply chain war between China and US and I had to pull a lot of string to get that professional but I feel what you're talking right now about AI and the Sanatini scriptures that is that is far beyond lithium. Lithium is just a small war and I maybe after 20 years we won't even care about it so could you please connect with me and after that uh, uh, I could uh, host a room with you whenever you are free because I'm totally spellbound by your words and totally just mesmerized by your words and everything.
0: So, sure. I already clicked the follow button.
5: So, I'm oh,
3: Wonderful. Everybody should follow.
13: Thank you so much, sir.
5: Thank you. Also, uh, Rajiv, you would request if you can follow me back. Sure, yes,
3: Rajiv ji. Thank you so much. Uh, whether you follow us all back or not, we'll definitely follow your work and we'll continue working on it.
5: Thank you.
6: We need, sir. Thank you so uh, much. Ra- Thank, thank, thank you. I, I just want to say, everyone, uh, please also uh, look at hindugoodnews.com. I, I learned about it in, in one of the videos of Rajuji. And that's that's wonderful uh, stuff there. So please have a look at that.
3: All right. On that uh, note, I'm going to initiate the Shanti Bar. Please close your eyes. Take deep, in. inhale. Om Dyoho Shanti Antarikshagvam Shanti Prithvi Shanti Rāpah Shanti Shanti Redhi Sāma Shanti Om Shanti 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 Sarvarishtha Sukhshanti Rabhavatu धन्यवाद